hey, it's me, Rasan. I don't know, man. Huge hole in my, you know, yeah. <laughs> understanding. <laughs> my fellow Americans. Probably <laughs> here. As long as you're, whatever you're doing doesn't hurt anyone else, I don't care. Different perspective of what an interesting topic is than I would assume. This is Balance Exchange. Welcome back to Balance Exchange. I'm your host, Cronus, and I'm here with... Papa Bear, as always, and we have a special guest today. You want to introduce yourself just real quick, just your name, I guess? I I guess my name is Savannah Cannon. <laughs> yeah. Up, All right. And then, <laughs> yeah, just making some stuff up. Yeah. Um, so we're going to talk pretty much just about books today. Uh, we usually open a lot of our pod- podcasts with some stuff to do with whatever we're reading, books we're interested in, what we're doing, but it's generally while leading to some other subject. Today, we're going to Cut that and focus straight in on books. But let's start with what we usually start with, which is a uh, Cronus. What are you drinking right now? I'm drinking sad, sad electrolytes. No alcohol. <laughs> Sorry, I'm I'm like super keto right now, so I can't I can't drink. Well, I mean, I can, but I'm not. <laughs> yeah, he and I have been comparing our ketone numbers. Actually, the last few days, we both keep posting pictures of our our, our ketone measurements, and so I'm I'm in the same boat. It's just <laughs> just some flavored Walmart. No, no calorie water stuff. So, pretty, uh, pretty sad on our ends. We can't. You can. So I had um, like a celebratory, like three grams of carbs in it total uh, beer the other day. But it's dangerous if you're trying to like really keep your ketones up because then the alcohol itself will stop the ketone production. So if you don't have the levels yeah. high enough, they won't catch back up fast enough, and then you drop out and you get sick. So I mean, I'm so deep right now. I'm pretty sure. I said I'm so deep. I'm pretty sure I could like actually drink the whole bottle of vodka right now, but. I don't want to chance it. I've lost a good amount of weight. Anyway, Savannah, please save us with something actually alcoholic. I'm sorry I didn't get the alcoholic uh, memo, but <laughs> <laughs> and I'm also trying to lose weight. I am just doing fresco. Well, all right, there we go. Yeah, grapefruit right. citrus. This is the healthy one. Then we're we're doing the. This is the healthiest yeah. podcast I think we've done. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's the first time no one has had it. it. Usually, when we do, if one of us is doing keto, the other one's kind of has has a drink. And then if you're doing, uh, when you did like the sober October, I was in heavy. I was drinking my ass off. That one. <laughs> yeah. Those ones. So, there's always been somebody drinking. So yeah. All right. That's. I guess it's, it's a good message for people. You can stop drinking and it's okay. <laughs> yeah. So at this point in watching our videos, you may or may not know that I am an active duty United States Marine. And I've been doing this for 20 plus years, so I know that um, it's really important for me to make sure to get this out there. If it's your first time watching this, please stick around and make sure you understand the disclaimer. If you've watched a whole lot of our episodes so far, feel free to go ahead and jump ahead to the new content. Um, So what I need to talk about today is that I am not authorized and have no way of being approved to speak on behalf of the Marine Corps. So any opinion that I give or any concept that I discuss today is the position and the opinion of just me, myself, just a man who has a bachelor's degree in political science and a master's degree in leadership and organizational management and has spent my whole life looking at government structures and social contracts and how these things are supposed to work, what the philosophies and things behind them are, and read a lot of books on that kind of stuff. And it's definitely one of my personal and key passions. And so When you hear me maybe give a position or a concept on something, that is only my own position. I am not a public affairs officer for the Marine Corps. I am in no way giving what the Marine Corps' official position on anything would be. And honestly, a lot of the topics we're going to cover here, I'm pretty sure the Marine Corps doesn't have a particular position on. Um, 
So if you do have any questions about what the Marine Corps policy on certain things could be, you can definitely research that and find those out um, or leave a comment or send us a message uh, if you can get a hold of us somehow. We can maybe be able to answer those questions for you. So with that said, let's get you back to this week's content. Yeah. Um, so then I guess I'll start with what I'm reading. So right now what I'm reading is the body keeps score, which we talked about uh, quite a few episodes ago. Uh, it's one I've been planning to pick up. And I was kind of kind of tell you, so like I knew what the concepts were. I read through the um, the synopsis of it and like the general precepts. And I'm going through a lot of my own counseling and stuff right now too. And my, my counselor has been really great. And I talked with her a little bit about the fact that that book kind of hit on a concept she and I had talked about. So then when I came back after like, after the holiday session or maybe it was my my one right before for taking like a christmas break or whatever like i bought a hard copy had it shipped to my house and like i signed like the inside saying thanks for like helping me be more comfortable with starting my own journey through counseling and, and everything else and letting her know like i really appreciate everything she's doing to try to make this something i can get through so i gave her a copy of that book because she hadn't read it either so oh wow yeah that's uh i think that's a book that every single marine should read it's 100%. hard to read though it's really hard to read the there. Yeah. Like I have a list of books that I think every Marine should read that's on it. But then like on killing and on combat are on it as well. Yeah. So yeah, those are good ones, but the body keeps the score was, yeah, it's a classic. Yeah. So I, I switched back to it like um, yesterday. Cause I was, I, while I was listening to it, I looked towards some certification stuff for the fundraising I'm needing to do for rescue residents. And like, there's a textbook that's like the textbook for getting ready for an exam you can take to become like a certified fundraising executive or whatever. And so I was like, Oh, Hey, look, it's on audiobook. Cool. And it was narrated by like the most boring voice I've ever heard in my entire life. And I was like, Nope, I'm just gonna have to order a hard copy. Return this. It's the first time I've ever returned a book on audible and I got my credit back. You can return uh, books on audible? Yeah. You can't, I I didn't know how easy it was going to be. And I was like, I'm going to try and see how it is. It's literally like went to the book was like clicked return. It's like, here's your credit back. I was like, wow. Okay. Oh. So it's within 30 days, I think is the thing. It's that easy, but uh, and so I'm back on, <laughs> back on the body keeps the score. Well, I always tell people yeah, like pick it up and like read it in chunks, but like, don't, don't expect to like blaze through it. Just digest it when you can. I, uh... Yeah. I just, part of it, it's like, it's lists of things and, it's it was i could tell even he was i don't think he had the most engaging normal audiobook reading voice anyways but then he's got to read lists and like like definitions of things i was like yeah this sounds this sounds like a book i just need to be able to look to and refer to and like read sections and and like okay and like process stuff and come up with my own notes and it's definitely a textbook for a class and i'm i was trying to listen to it on my drives to work i was like yeah this isn't going to work <laughs> Yeah. All right, Savannah, what are you reading? Oh, I'm in the middle of at least seven books at all times, and I'm not. I think it was. Yeah, I think it was like five last time we talked, but so now you got two more on the list. Yeah. Um, so I'm reading A Hundred Years of Solitude, and that's like interesting because all the characters have like the same names, and so it's really difficult to follow. I don't know if y'all have ever read that. No. Okay, it's a it's considered one of the classics. One of my like goals is to read all the classics, so every Tolstoy and like you know everything, War and Peace, like you name it. So, a hundred years of solitude is on there, and it's like it's a pretty intense read just because of the names and following that. So, I'm reading that. I'm reading with Rhythm of War. Uh. Um, 
Yeah, so <laughs> I hear it's the worst one, and I'm like, thanks everyone for telling me that. What the hell? Like, <laughs> it's, it's no, it's still really good. It's just a bit more of a slog than his normal writing, and that's why people are comparing it that way or saying it that way. He just writes so well that when you write only like a great book, <laughs> that it's <laughs> you're like, oh, it's the worst one. And you're like, yeah, but it's still great. <laughs> um, I'm also reading Quiet, which is uh, the power of of introverts in a world that can't stop talking. So yeah, I'm almost good. up to that one. That one's pretty good. Like I've appreciated some of the nuggets and also realized I'm probably more of an introvert than um, expected. Oh goodness. What else? I'm reading The Red and the Black by Stendhal, which is another classic. It was translated from French over to English. So that's like a bit of a, an intense one. It's considered one of the greatest love stories ever also. Um, let's see. What else? I. It's, I struggle to remember, but I have books placed everywhere. Like they're in my car, they're on my phone, they're in the bathroom, like wherever I manage to pick it up um, is where I'll, I'll go from there. So that's about it. Like those are the ones I can remember right now. Gotcha. It's funny. I was thinking that Rhythm War wasn't that bad, but I actually haven't read that one yet. It's my next one because I'm on, I'm reading uh, Oathbringer. So that's, and that's uh, not your one then. Your next one's Dawn Shard. Is it? Yeah. It says Rhythm War is book four. Maybe I have this wrong. Dawn, no, it is it is book four, but there is the short story. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I got so I did that one. I'll get to that one, too. Yeah, they're just they're long-ass books. Everybody knows this. It's like, if you listen to, especially on audiobook, like, I think this one is 55 hours long. So, yeah, it takes a long time. Are you time. listening to it on, on, I can't do a 55-hour long book. I can't just. Yeah, it's. I don't know. There's like a piece of my brain that's like set aside for just audiobooks. So I just, I'll get up and I'll do something. Like I'll clean the house, do dishes, like something, and or just work out or whatever in the sauna. And it's, I can just set aside part of my brain to like listen to a book. And it just, everything else is automatic. I can't, I probably can't do what you're doing and like read like five books or six books at a time. Like I just, I need to go through like the entire one and then go to the next. So. Like I think like well, I love audiobooks. Seriously, I love them. But the whole oh, I'm re reading uh, the Lost Metal also. Oh, um, nice. Yeah, um, that's the newest one that I didn't know existed. Yeah. But um, that's on. I'm reading on Audible as well as Quiet. So I can do audiobooks. But like when it gets to be over 20 hours, I just get demoralized. Oh. I'm like, I don't see the number going down at all. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even look and at I the number. A, <laughs> <laughs> I am a numbers person. I want to see the the success. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, I got an hour and a half commute total every day, so it's like forty-five there, forty-five back. So I I see hours tick away every single day. So I'm like, oh, I can I can do this. <laughs> and actually, the book that I read before this was your book, which is a great book. Oh, so thank you. yeah, so I guess we can just segue into that. You're a fucking author, so <laughs> yeah, thank yeah. you. What'd you think? Big part of why we wanted to talk about, about it. Yeah. What did I think? I yeah. think it was one of the most fucked up stories I ever read in my entire life, to be honest with you. Um, oh. There are parts where um, I got super emotional. I might have shed a tear or two. And I was just like, man, um, the amount of things that happened to this woman were are awful. And to not have any sort of backing from leadership is is terrible. And it's like, it's one of the reasons why I got out of the core. It's because I, I saw these, some of these leaders are just, they, they, they had very little leadership qualities, and for, but for some reason they were in long enough, and they just became, you know, the higher ups. And it was just like, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm sure I'm not. I'm, 
maybe preaching to the choir here, but to have like that many things happen to you and nobody notice. And then when they did notice the other things that happened, like, I think, I don't want to get too deep into your book, but there was like a part of like, you were going to Germany. I think it was Germany. And then somebody was giving you a ride and like what he did in the car. I was just like, what the fuck? There was like a lot of what the fuck moments where it was just like, I just want to kill somebody. Like, I was like, dude, what, what is going on here? And it's, yeah, it was very uncomfortable for me to read, but I think it was a, it was a really good book. So well, thank you. what, what's the name of your book? Cause we didn't even say that. <laughs> it's Corporal Cannon, a female Marie in Afghanistan. And yeah, it's been a very interesting ride to get it to publishing and out the door and everything. I don't know if y'all are interested in that whole journey, but what happened? Like, I, yeah, tell us your journey. Cause I have, I have no idea. So I actually was, I had a mental breakdown in 2016, which if you've read the book, like no surprise there, but um, I just had to start writing. And so I had a blog and I was just writing on the blog and like my Facebook friends would read it. And they were like, what the fuck is I was just like, I'd be up all night and I'd do really short chapters just to get it out of me. Cause I felt like I was going to like vomit. Right. So I got it all out in like, well, like 80% of it in like uh, two months. And like, it was to the point where I was working where I work now. And like, I would go to work and my boss would be like, you look like shit. <laughs> like they were like, are you okay? You don't look good. And I'm like, I'm fine. I haven't slept. So it was like two months of me staying up and doing this stuff. But it was like very therapeutic, right? Like that's what I felt like like my first intro to deep therapy was was sitting there and just writing out all the stuff that was inside of my head, all the stuff that I lived every single night, all the nightmares, like all that stuff. So I got it all out. And like what kept me going was the fact that people were reading it and were like, we had no idea this happened to you. These were people that had been my friends for years. Um but yeah, so I got the majority of it out and I um I was like, oh, I guess like everyone's like, this needs to be a book. And I was like, oh, yeah, I've always wanted to write a book. So let's just like put it together. And I looked for an editor because, you know, I was way too close to the story, right? Like I couldn't like in that drafted form, like it was all over the place because it would just be whatever memories I could remember that night or whatever would come up. So it was all over the place. But I um, got an editor and she blew me off because like she thought I was, and these were her words, a bored housewife with just another boring story. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. But she, she was like, I'm busy. I don't really have any time. So like, you know, send me the first 10 pages and I'll see which one of my friends wants to like be an editor for you. And I'm like, okay. So I'm like, man, 10 pages, fuck that. I just sent her like what I had, which was like, like I said, like 80% of it. And she called me back within 24 hours and she was like, I immediately printed it off. I immediately started like editing it, which I don't do. She was like, I will work for you for free. And so like completely changed her tune and was like, has become my biggest advocate like ever. And she has been a mentor of mine really. So, Um, but yeah, we've been through, like she got me an agent and it was kind of cool. The agent was, um, an editor for a pretty famous book that had a movie um, made after it. And I'm going to protect her uh, name because I eventually fired her because she was not doing her job, Mm. but she was a super famous like editor and all this stuff. And anyway, um, I'll tell you guys later, just not on. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. But uh, yeah, and I had to fire her because I was getting offers from publishing houses and she wasn't like pulling through on them. So um, I had a different editor that she wanted me to use and I had to pay out of pocket like 
three grand, but what she did was she went through and she, like, I was trying to get, um, what's the stuff where you fundraise? Come on. You know, like, yeah, I got to go fund me. Cause I was like, Hey guys, like I can't afford 10 grand to get an editor, which is what they were quoting me for this woman to edit this book. And so she got through like a third of it and she sent it back to me and was like, like I had all these comments and I was getting so fucking frustrated reading them because this woman had clearly never been anywhere near the military. And so like one of her uh, things was she was like, I'm taking out all the, the F bombs. Like <laughs> people in the military don't curse this much. And I'm like, yes, the fuck we do. The fuck they do. Like, what <laughs> <Yeah>. do <you> do? <laughs> and like, she was just, she was turning it very boring and dull and like just changing the tone and the speed. And I hated it. Wait, wait, was she the boring housewife? Is that the full circle here? <laughs> she was a boring housewife. Right. <laughs> but no, she, and so like, I, I eventually was like, I can't, she can't edit my book. This is awful. And, um, my main, my local editor was like, then we will, we'll get rid of her. But I still had to pay her a third of the book cost because she had edited a third of it. So I had to eat it. And I like said, thanks to the GoFundMe people. But I was like, I'll pay for this. Like, this is my like, fuck up. Like, I will just pay for this. And I did. So I paid $3,000 to have to unfuck all of her like edits and everything, which was awful. But then um, I got an offer. And yeah, they allowed me to do the audio book, which I think um, you were the you listened to the audio book. So you sound very familiar. (laughs) (laughs) so they allowed me to audition i had to audition for my own book which was interesting and then uh yeah i recorded it in a studio in la um and they were the sound engineers were great like they actually hid me normally like you're supposed to see the sound engineer but he they specifically put me in the corner so they wouldn't i i would have like privacy because they were like this is a fucked up story we want you to have like privacy and it was a it was good, but yeah, it got published in October. It's been submitted for a few awards, but I don't know if it'll win. It's won some stuff in San Diego that um, I believe will be performed at some of the La Jolla arts um, things. Huh. So maybe I'll, maybe I'll go. It, right yeah, there. I got yeah, <laughs> I got selected for uh, Shaking the Tree, which I think they end up having someone perform like the chapter that I submitted, which I can't remember which one I submitted, but yeah, so. It's uh, gonna be interesting. I know when like I I went and wrote my review on the the audiobook stuff. One of the like my favorite. I kind of went through and saw what other people had said to make sure one I wasn't being derivative. I didn't want to like write the same things. So I was kind of like making sure I didn't write the same stuff after I'd written it. But then um, I also saw some talk about like, and it was very true that because it was your story for one, and and I'm I'm guessing now that you described the studio setup too that they really made you able to kind of just have your own space to do it in you can you can really feel like moments in it too where you were getting emotional while doing the recording like and it helped i think convey that emotion to the to the listener too like okay this is an you know it's it's, it's an important moment too is is they're going through experiencing your story in in their own way you were you know having to kind of re-experience it too so there's definitely some moments i remember thinking that too and i really appreciated those, those reviews so I also really liked how like honest the book was because there was like you can definitely anybody can edit themselves to like make them like their hero of every story like of themselves. But the fact that you put in stuff that was like, I don't know, it wasn't like I want to put it in a bad way, but we all make like mistakes. You know what I mean? I don't want to be. No, it's okay. I know. 
I was a dumb, like 20 year old. Like I was just and part of the therapeutic process of me writing it was I was like, I can't make myself look good. Like it's so when people are like, I can't wait to read your story. I'm like, ooh, all right. Have fun. Like (laughs) you're going to find out some stuff about me that you might not like, like. But yeah, I thank you for that, because the I think mean I did not want to come off like I'm a badass person. That's like, a you know, that's not what I felt like. I felt very you know, I felt like a, the bad guy for a long time. There was a lot of like guilt that I carried about a lot of stuff. I mean, I still carry a little bit of it, you know, but. Well, that was, that was one of the like uh, back and forth we had not too long ago, just a couple of days ago too, which was like the, the villain of your own story kind of thing where we, we kind of all play all of the roles that we, we went through. I, I know we were talking about the hero and the villain. What was, there was one other one too, like, can't remember, but basically like we, we play in our own stories, all of these different roles for our own lives where, we're going to be the person who like pulls ourselves through it. But there's also times where we're going to be the one who fucked it up and made it worse and, and yeah. made the wrong decision to make things harder on ourselves. But, and you, you kind of made the point. It's like, the problem is most people often forget about the villain part of their own life and how, th- how they've done that. They try to not pay too much attention to it. So yeah. Face facing the it is pretty, pretty difficult to do it. And, and putting that to paper is even fucking harder. I mean, cause yeah. you kind of laid yourself out bare there. And it was crazy. Cause like Papa Bear talked about you in the book and, but he didn't tell what the book was about. So I was just like, all right, I'm just going to listen to this book. Let's go. I, had no, and I was like, oh. You oh. went in blind. Yeah, I was like, I let him go in blind. Yeah, I was hoping yeah. it'd be better for the conversation. So, <laughs> yeah, I was like, all right, this is some pretty awful shit. Um, I'm just going to keep it rolling because what, what I do is I try to read fun books and then I have like a real sh- like book is, that's shitty. Like, but it's not shitty in like it's a bad book, but like, like a shitty content that I really don't want to read, but I have to. You know, like usually it's like some civil rights shit or something like that. But with this, and I was just like, man, all right, can this get? Oh, it's yeah, it's gonna get, it's gonna get worse. So, but yeah, I just I, I don't want to like I want people to read the book, so I don't want to talk about it like the content of the book too much. But I, I will say one last thing on the book. There was like one person in the book because I used to be a contractor. Right from the get go, I was like, something's very wrong here, and I was just like. Yeah, my teeth were like grinding the whole time this person's name was like was mentioned. And I'm glad that, you know, what happened eventually happened. But I was just like, because me as a as a contractor, we, you know, we're very privileged over there. And I think that some people um, that are contractors take advantage of that with other people over there. And it's and it's really fucked up. And I don't think enough people um, get called out enough about that. Um, I remember when I was in the Marine, when I was in the Marine Corps, you know, I was in a comm shop with a bunch of other, you know, female Marines and it was, you know, to me it was normal, but I understand like other places, it like, it's not normal to have any females around like ever. Um, and I actually married, you know, a, a female Marine, um, we're divorced now. Um, but, uh, I didn't know like this whole like issue of like sexual assaults, in the military for like the longest time. And so after I got out of the military and then I was a contractor and I flew and I went to Iraq and the first thing I saw when I landed was on an army base. It was like all this shit about, um, stick. If you like, if you're a woman stick with somebody because there's like a high chance of sexual assaults. And I was just like, what the fuck? Like, is that happening in like the military that I was in? Like, I had no idea. Like I literally had no idea. And I'm like, this is fucking, this is gross. And then like reading your story, I was just like, Oh man, like I don't know. I, I hate being that that ignorant, like 
back then and like not knowing any of this stuff happened. Um, but I think if I rewind in time, maybe there were some clues there that I just didn't actually see. So, or maybe I just willfully didn't see it because I was just some dude, you know? Well, from the conversations I've had with men um, and men that have been around, including yourself, uh, that people that are doing bad things rarely do it in front of good men. Like they aren't because they know they're going to get called out. So they look for the opportunities that they have where they're going to be less likely to be called out. So it's, I'm not saying, you know, uh, you, you didn't see anything. You might've seen stuff, but if you aren't actively looking for it because you aren't aware it's there, then you're not going to see the, the signs. Whereas like now uh, <laughs> I am pretty vigilant with it. And like, I work around the Navy now I work for the Navy. Yeah. So it, um, and I work still in IT. So um, whenever I'm around like women, I'm like very high vigilant about what is happening. But that's probably just because of, you know, everything that I've experienced. But I, I think the people, the men that are next to me are just kind of like, oh, I just exist and I go to work and everything's fine and I leave. And the majority of women that I talk to have been harassed in multiple ways. Um, one of the hardest parts about me writing the bad parts of me were I was concerned about how the female Marines were going to take it because there are so few of us that our image means a lot to like if you mess up as a female marine you're going to be hated like because they can't afford you to fuck up because if you fuck up you're fucking it up for them too so i was very concerned about how it would be received by the other female marines but every single one that has read it and has talked to me i'm sure people have read it and have not talked to me about it but those who have read it and shared with me, they all said, you had the exact same experience that I did. And they were majority like, you know, they, they didn't come with hate or anger. They were just like, yeah, this all happened to me too. And it was just like, you know, yeah. Well, so it, I hope it, more people it, read it so we can like be more vigilant of the same. Cause now I'm just like, well, obviously I'm way older now. So I see those signs in general anyway. But now it's even more focused, like, after reading the book, it's like, if people people that are in right now are not going to know, and hopefully if they read the book, they can know, like, what to look out for more and to, like, put a stop to it. And especially not just turn a blind eye, because, I mean, it doesn't get very much worse than turning a blind eye in, in your situation, like, what 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 happened in your situation. And I, I can't, I, I wouldn't wish that shit on anybody. Yeah, no, I know, I know that there's definitely a lot of effort to try to, to do better, but some of it's misguided. And I think some of, some of it can be done in better ways. And that's part of, um, I don't know if, if I talked about this yet, Savannah, but like I've used the book as a, as a way to kind of try to help with that too, is I've, I've, for one, I was also just trying to get that same kind of dialogue that you, you brought up where, uh, the female Marines you've had or service members in general who have read it and then talked with you about it afterwards saying like, yeah, I've dealt with some of the same things. The there's a few, there's a few that are around that I talk to regularly and that I respect. And I was like, Hey, read this book and then come back and talk to me about it. I want to know kind of like what your take on the book is. And in, in, you know, two out of three cases, it's, yeah, it was definitely like the similar things I've dealt with. And these are pretty senior staff and CEOs or officers at this point that I know and have talked to. And so it's, it's unfortunate because I think that probably the fact that it took you um, going through this on your own and then like telling this story 
to to get closure to some extent for yourself at least with it um and then to find that every you know a good majority of those who have had take a look at it and then come back to me to talk about it have said the same thing that that it's it's a it's more common than to have it not happen i guess is the way i would would, would put it and it's really frustrating for me and i know that you and i've talked about the fact that it really bothered me that i had no idea what was going on um that i didn't didn't see that it's the same as the way uh Razan talked about it but i think the difference was that the comparing his time when he was in at about the same age you know you were then compared to at the time i was a staff and ceo and i'm a person who's supposed to have been better at seeing those things and been more vigilant about it but but then you know we've talked enough about it to to help me understand like it it's like you said it's not necessarily something that would have ever been noticeable to the 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 guys that people know would have called him out on it so it's, it's a good chance that if any of that would have been said it would have never been said around me so it's it's frustrating but it's still i'm like i guess i'm a little bit better since we've talked through it and too so it's interesting um there's what is it the mef g6 has some copies because the the guy um my co who sent me there uh read it um and he sent me to afghanistan he read it and he immediately contacted me and was like what the fuck <laughs> he was like i am so sorry that i sent you there and like he apologized he works now at the mef g6 and he bought a few copies and he like sent them for one he sent them to the co uh, that i was underneath in afghanistan um and sent it to his boss as well and then he um sent it to a few of his marines and all the women read it and i guess it turns out a lot of the men are not finishing it so i, I thought that that was interesting that um and i i was wondering I, like i don't have much information about like why but i'm like oh that's interesting why maybe men can't finish reading it and you know well i it shines light on like what some disability some despicable dudes do. And um, I think any guy, this is like a, a possible situation. It's like some guy might open the book up, reading, read what happens to you and be like, well, I would never do something like that and just close the book. You know, it's like, but I mean, I would never do something like that either, but I still have to read the fucking book. So I, I need to, I wanted to, to know your story, but th there's like this cognitive dissonance thing that happens with like, with people in general, where it's something that they, that just, whether they have to change their mindset to get through a story then they're not gonna they're not gonna finish it, and it, I think it also depends on probably age. Um, if if you got to, I, I would imagine like younger men would not read a book like that like at all. Like they just wouldn't be interested. I think it would probably take some time for them to actually fucking grow up and to read through something that's very uncomfortable to to read. Yeah, like, I, I think you hit a, hit a word that was like super yeah. important though the, the uncomfortable part of that, right? So I think that whether you're on any end of the spectrum we talk about like someone who would potentially be someone who would do something that but wouldn't do it in front of someone who wouldn't do that wherever you are in that spectrum like reading the the things happening makes you uncomfortable either you're someone who does that and you're like oh shit this book's calling me out right or you're someone on the other end of it and you're like people don't do this do they there's no way this kind of thing happens this can't be real like this has got to be make-believe stuff and like, I could see, I could see people not being comfortable and choosing then to not finish it. Cause, uh, you know, we, I was just reading the David Goggins stuff too. So we'll talk more about other books as we get through yours too. But like, 
Um, and it's a big thing he leans on. It's like, you should be trying to make yourself uncomfortable because that's how people get better. And so in today's American society, something makes you uncomfortable means you're doing it wrong or you're doing it the hard way and you should find an easier way to do it. And while that challenges you in a different way, if you're looking for a, like a smarter technical solution, if you're just saying, never mind, I'm just not going to do it and you just lay down on the couch because you can, because you're in a comfort situation, then you're not, not doing it right either. Some people come across that uncomfortable situation and choose rather than improving themselves by making their way through it and, and learning more about themselves and, and more about the world. Probably um, they choose just to avoid it. So, I mean, and you would think that Marines especially would be used to, I guess Marines are only used to certain kinds of discomfort. You know what I mean? I don't think it, yeah. like when it comes to emotional discomfort, I don't think that's really a blip on the radar. You know what I mean? No, they don't shove it down. Yeah. yeah and that's, that's a huge problem. Obviously we all know that now, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, I think growth happens in the discomfort and that's, I, I like when people push themselves like that. So I don't know. I know it's not a good, but and I, I honestly don't know how to react when people are like, Oh, you know, like I'm, I'm going to read your book and I'm like, Ooh, good, good luck. Like, good luck. I know, like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> how do I know this? Like somehow I knew that was what you were going to say. I was like, yep, yep, good luck. Like, <laughs> and people are like, what does that mean? Like, I don't know, man, just read it. Like, <laughs> Don't give up. Yeah. Well, thank you all for reading it. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for writing it. Yeah, I didn't know. I didn't know for sure how how Rasan was going to hit it, and that definitely was why. Like, I kind of let him go in blind. I was like, I'm not going to tell anything about it. Just read the book. Yeah, just, just the, you got to read it. Went all the way through an audiobook, so just yeah, it took me maybe three days. So yeah, that's a hard hitting three days. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I had. I was just like, I can't. It was hard to like stop in points. I'm like, well, what the fuck happens next? You know, it's like, yeah. does it get better? Please say it gets better. <laughs> like, and it took until like kind of like the, you know, the end. And it's just like, and even the end is just like still, I don't know. You're good now though, right? You're, you're better at least a little bit now, I hope. Yeah, I'm, I'm better. Like the, I've been in th- serious therapy for four years. So good, good. And there's like some other stuff that um, have made it better. But uh, it's interesting, like, people are like, oh, this stuff doesn't happen in the Marine Corps, right? Well, remember, that was only like, what, nine months of my life when I was in the Marine Corps for five years. And I'm mm-hmm. like, those are, there are way more stories, by the way. Yeah, you so. talked about in the book, you like, you kind of hinted on that and some other stuff like in your childhood. And I was just like, I don't know if anybody rec- picked that up. And I was just like, man, this is like a lot of stuff that you had to deal with, with like, just like sexual assaults, like throughout your entire life. That's, that's just crazy. But you were just focused on like this particular part of your life. But you could at least I could by reading the book that surrounding all that, there was still other stuff that you just didn't talk about. My editor was, my editor was like, we need to expand on this. And I'm like, Ooh, that's like another book or two. So like, no, I'll just leave it in there to see if people pick it up. But yeah. Is there any plans for that? Are you thinking as you work your way through the rest of the stuff on your, at your own pace that, writing some of those other stories out for your therapy and everything else to turn it into another book is something you maybe want to do or is it like that? That's what, that was what I want to do. <laughs> Done with that one. No, I, I want to do more of them. It's <laughs> just a lot of people, I guess, don't think about the fact that when you are writing about take children, childhood, for example, if you're writing about your childhood, you're about to expose an entire family's skeleton yep. closet. Oh, shit, do I know about that? <laughs> so it's, yeah it has not been received well. Cause I would write some of that stuff on my blog and 
I mean, my grandmother died mad at me. So like, that's, that's about like where I'm at on like, yeah, I want to write it. But being a writer, you lose friends. Like you lose family members. Like if you're, if you're honest, like, and you talk about stuff in what I try to subscribe, which is honesty, whether it's good or bad, if it makes me look, makes, if it makes me look bad. Okay. But you know, people are like, well, you don't get to make other people look bad too. Like that was what some of my family members said is like, it's not like, it's not your right to to make other people look bad. And I'm like, well, maybe they shouldn't do bad shit. You know, yeah, like, exactly. we, all, <laughs> we all do bad stuff, you know, but like people don't like themselves airing out their, your don't like other people airing out their dirty laundry. So, but surprisingly, not surprising. Um, when the book started getting published and people started reading it, they started being a lot nicer to me, like just in general. Like, <laughs> oh, all right. Like I've had people crawl out of the woodwork to, to talk about stuff and like, yeah, I've gotten a lot of, um, apologies, which has been strange because I wasn't expecting it. I wasn't expecting a reception of apologies, but the CO did not uh, apologize. Yeah. The, I mean, some of them are probably ones we've talked about, but like, um, more for the, like, just the apology of not having an idea what the hell was going on. Those ones, or are you talking more like personal direct? I did something wrong and I want to apologize for that time frame kind of thing. Uh, the latter as well. Really? Okay. So, I mean, I, I don't mind talking about this. I'm going to go talk about my book uh, to the, to the permanent personnel at um, NICSES, which is the school, the Marine Corps communication school um, in February. And I wanted to bring up then that my instructor, when I was in comm school, did, he was more of like, it was consensual, but he started a relationship with me which in hindsight, yeah. I was, had just turned 18. Um, I was a PFC in the Marine Corps and he was a staff sergeant. He was 28. Like the, the position of power, like, you know, oh, the yeah. imbalances. Yeah. So there's lots of gray area that comes there because it was very consensual. Right. But like, it was not okay. And well, um, it's also very, very, very much against success rules. Very oh, much. very much. And <laughs> the thing was, is that the thing was, is that the company gunnery sergeant found out about it. And instead of getting anyone in trouble, he decided to try to blackmail me to sleep with him so he wouldn't get me in trouble. Wow. And that is like, and this is, I'm like, that happened at McSess. And yeah. like, I can talk about the fact that I was sitting outside of my barracks room and like the company offices across the street and I was on MySpace and I get a random MySpace message from someone that's like, you know, hit me up and slide in the DMs back in the um, 2008 time. Yeah, whatever that was back then. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it turned out to be the company gutter sergeant who was on a government computer across the street watching me from um, his company office. Fuck, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it, the stories like that don't end. There were there was hardly a rank that didn't try to do that. Like, I just didn't see generals. That's probably why it didn't happen. But everyone else. Wow. So, yeah. Anyway, I talk about that as well. Yeah, well, make sure make sure I'm there. Be good. Are you going to be uh, there? I apparently am never going anywhere. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you're going to retire eventually, right? <laughs> eventually. So we actually did our, our slating stuff today. This is a total shift to subject down rattles. So Savannah, welcome to the podcast. This is uh, one of the things that happens where we're going through something else and we completely sidebar and yeah. try to remember how to get back to wherever we were when we were talking. But 
Um, so we're doing all of our like which warrant officers of which rank are going where in our MOS. And uh, so I, I talked to my five like friend, the close friend we've been, he, when I went through mixed tests for the first time, cause my first job, I went through school in Pensacola. And then when I lap moved into the comm stuff, like the ground comm stuff, cause I was doing air comm stuff basically beforehand. Um, went through school here. I was a Sergeant. He was a staff Sergeant tech controller, like had just got back from a deployment to Iraq and, and became my instructor. So like we go pretty far back. Um, and I was trying to figure out because he had said something about his retirement in 2025 and the timelines for his because basically when he retires is when I pick up five. So it's like I wanted to understand exactly what his timeline was because right now I just I don't know. Actually, I don't know if I even told you this yet, Rasan, but like yeah. I pulled back my retirement that's for this summer. So I canceled that. So I'm not officially retiring this summer uh, was to at least stay here one more year to see through the VR stuff and all the other like work that I've been trying to do to make Mixes better on the how we train Marine side. And uh, so I wanted to give myself at least one more year. So really what I asked him was like, hey, so if, if it's 25 for you, if I moved at, at the end of in summer 24 and then a year later get five, I got to move again. Is anybody going to have a problem with me just staying here like that other year, one more year to pick up five and then just go to Quantico? It's like, no, I don't think anybody's going to want to go there, man. You're fine to just stay. In place. So really then I'd be here all the way till 25 as a four at a minimum. But then he's like, wait, what did you say? Like, no, it'll be summer 24 or December of 24 when I do like, wait, so you're talking about like literally the the year I would have to move would be the year I'd pick up five anyways, potentially. So it's looking like there's more and more of a chance that I'll pick up two farms for five actually. That's good. Yeah. I mean, that's great. Yeah. You got the bomb. It's, it's, it's a bomb, right? You'd you be a gunner. <laughs> I got to remember. remember no, I've been for a while. no, no, no. Gunners are just the O3 warrant officers. I'll get the I get a lightsaber rank insignias, like the little straight line. Red ah, I got you. What was the fuck? I saw the bomb thing somewhere. What is that from? No. So yeah, gunners have bomb on one collar mm -hmm. and then rank on the other collar. Okay. I've actually kind of had conversations with people that I think, similar to the way the Navy ranks work, where you have like your rank and your rate. And then for us as restricted officers, since I do have a specialization, I should have my rank and rate potentially on my collar. Like come up with rates for all of the that different cool. restricted officer MOSs. But That'd be so confusing if I was trying to walk up and see if I had to salute you or not. Like, are you a cook? Like, what's going on? Yeah. Yeah. It's a big chunk of shiny stuff. You're like, what is this symbol? I don't know what this is. Just like those damn well, you chiefs might have to in there. Up. When the chiefs walk around and mix yeah. and like all the, all the boots are like, do I fucking salute this person or it's shiny? <laughs> <laughs> It's okay. They're so lost. Half of them don't salute half the time anyway. So, <laughs> so are you going to be there on the on the tenth? I believe. Yeah, February tenth. Yeah, that's a Friday. Yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. supposed to talk to you. <laughs> cool. <laughs> you want me to introduce you? Or do you already have someone doing the introduction? I have no idea. I'm waiting for right. Major Brown. I think to email me back, verifying that we're good. Yeah, he's he's the CTB ops, so I, I work with him a lot. So. <laughs> Wait, so do you, Tell him to answer my email, please. <laughs> I will. He doesn't answer many emails. It's kind of frustrating. So do you work for? I'm calling you out. You work for NMCI. Oh God, no. No, okay. I, I used to work for them, so yeah. <laughs> no, I'm excited about my new job, so uh, I want to brag about it. Um, yeah. yeah. I am now the lead systems engineer for ADNS, so the entire Navy Global WAN. Oh, okay. Yeah. Nice. Congratulations. Thanks. I am stressed out already. That's why I'm like, you guys, I need to go to bed. But I don't have to work tomorrow. So. Oh, cool. 
Yeah. Neither do I. I'm still going to get up and run, but I don't have to work tomorrow either. But I got to get ready because we're going to Vegas tomorrow night. So, or probably tomorrow afternoon, we'll start the drive with the RV and head up there. Um, friends of ours are, they're flying. So they live in Tampa. They're flying out here because, uh, so he was a Marine Chief when officer retired. And then his wife and, and uh, Cindy worked together as teachers. So we were all pretty close friends. So, like, he's flying to Vegas for a bowling tournament. So, so we're like, yeah, we'll come see you guys. Sure, why not? It's that big of a tournament that you're going to fly from Tampa for this. Okay, cool. Is he good? Uh, he's crazy good. He's like 300s. Wow. Is that, if is that he good? doesn't bowl 300, he is upset. So. I, I don't know much about bowling. That's so. perfect. Yeah, it's, no, oh. it's a perfect. You yeah. that's a perfect <laughs> set of frames. You cannot miss a single pin. It's a strike every single time. So. So if everyone gets 300s, then how do they decide like what's the better 300? I think yeah, it goes to, it goes to mutual combat, doesn't it? Somebody has to kill it. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how it works. You hold, can you hold it and smash the other person? Exactly. <laughs> no, so I think there's extra frames, basically, at that point. You run run the next set, and it's like tournament stuff, so it's it's over a series of frames. So if you miss one in a set of 10 games or something, you run over two days, then you might lose. Have y'all played candle pin or duck pin bowling? No. Is one of them one of the, the strings that picks them up? Is that one of them? No. No, then no. I have no idea what you're talking about then. So candle pin bowling, there it's like bowling, but it's a smaller like um was it ski ball kind of size? Okay. Yeah. And hmm. it's they're candle like shapes instead of like the bowling pin shape. Huh. And so it's this but the same like general concept. And then duck pin, I believe I haven't played that as much, but it's like a squatter like hmm. bowling pin. So anyway, the the New England thing. Hmm. That, is that where you're from? New England area? No, Georgia. Oh, okay. So where the fuck did you learn that from then? I'm married to someone who's from the, the oh. Northeast. All right. <laughs> got, got assimilated. <laughs> as well as being you gotta a learn some of those fan. Yeah. I, you know, you win some, you lose some. Yeah. yeah. Like the Patriots now, right? <laughs> Instead of just winning them all? Yeah. Hey. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I dealt with the like the disparate area kind of thing too. So I grew up in the Pacific Northwest, but my family were all Southerners. So like, I a lot of things that I know and that I do, I'm like, wait, is that not a Pacific Northwest thing? That's a that's a Southern thing. Oh, very well. I don't know. I just grew up up there, but was raised by Southerners. So like, I got a weird mix of stuff. So it comes up sometimes. I have no idea which which grouping some of the things I've learned in my life come from. So I think it's good though. It's like it's nice to have knowledge outside of your area. You know. Well, aren't we all just bastards of the United States because we've like moved everywhere and we've been everywhere? Yeah, it's weird like talking to like normal civilians when they're just like stayed in one spot. It's re- I don't know if y'all have ever been back to like your hometowns, but like I'm when people, bored. yeah, people like never leave and it's just like what the what are you doing with your life? Like, <laughs> like you got to yeah. go somewhere. Like, go travel somewhere. Like you know, just get out of the yeah. fucking least state. <laughs> like the Walmart parking lot to do donuts in is like far enough. Okay, that's like. Yeah, I went all the way to the county line the other day. Was that because that's you funny. had to go to the not dry county? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. Why are you? Yeah, so yeah. I'd talk anytime I like kind of start talking to people about my time and services of it. I'm like, yeah, I spent 12 years in Japan. They're like, you got to live in Japan for 12 years. I'm like, yeah, I've spent 12 years in Japan. It's just great. I'm, I'm pretty much half Japanese at this point. Yeah, it's like you, you can just tell them you can go too if you really wanted to. 
Like, yeah. You, you can Even move. visit. Yeah, you can visit <laughs> or just move to whatever you want. But, yeah, you know. Don't realize they can just leave and go explore. It was crazy because yeah. um, I saw you on the beach in Okinawa and I was like, oh, hey, I know you. <laughs> yeah, it was super crazy. Like this was like 15 or 16, maybe somewhere around there. I, did I have a baby at the time? Uh, I don't think I had a baby. That would have been 2014. So. Like, yeah. No, we hadn't seen each other since Afghanistan. And uh, yeah, wow. It is a small. Yeah. I was a warrant officer, and you were out. Yeah, I was chilling on the beaches of Okinawa. Yeah, one time I think it was in like 2007. I was in Djibouti, and I was um, flying out of Ethiopia. And I'm sitting there just having a couple of drinks, and then I see one of my old gunnies, and I was like, "What the fuck?" And I was a civilian. And I was just like. It was a Gunny Doyle, which well, I don't think he was. He wasn't a Gunny when he got out, but that's how I, as I knew him. Unfortunately, he took his life um, a couple years back. Oh. It was just always sad. But it was just like crazy, like seeing somebody that I knew in a totally different country, in my from my old unit. Yeah. Do you know was his first name Dave? Yes, Dave David Doyle. Yeah. So he was a tech controller. He yeah. was a tech controller. He retired as a master gunner sergeant. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He was real good friends with uh, with Roy. Um, I have his name on this wristband right here, actually. Oh, wow. Yeah, he was, he was a good dude. Yeah, he was. Just didn't... And that, it's, yeah, it's a whole different thing talking about the, the transition and suicide and, and how prevalent it is amongst veterans. And so I think it runs right hand-in-hand hand with the mission I'm trying to work with. I think there's a lot that are struggling with all of the same problems and just haven't potentially gotten there. And part of their solution was to just step away from it all and be on the streets and not having to worry about trying to fit in. Um, and hopefully we can work to find a, a better, a better solution than that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's hard, like getting out of the military. Cause it's like, well, especially when you go to like, you know, to and from a war zone, like you go, you go from a war yeah. zone, then back to like the United States where everybody's in comfort still. And it's just like, like it's just it's really it's hard to like really explain it to somebody that's never been to like a really shitty place. And it's just like meanwhile you're over here complaining about, you know, somebody cut you off like driving in your car. It's like uh, who cares? Yeah. Like it's perspective. People yeah. are have limited perspective. I wrote about in the book how fucking furious I was. Like I think I had anger issues for like the longest time because I was just so angry at all the Americans. I'm like you're all fat. You're all like, don't like you get to do whatever you want all the time. Like this is, it, I was just very angry, but it's interesting that you talk about like the transition for veterans, because I was talking to uh, one of my friends the other day and I was saying that, you know, I think the mark of a transitioned vet is that they actually don't associate with the military at all. Like they aren't part of like the vet groups. They're not part of like any, not saying that they don't have vet friends, but you know, like they actively seek things that aren't centered around the military. And I think that's like a, the, the mark of a veteran who has fully reassimilated back into um, society. So, cause I know the reason I say that is because there's a few veteran groups in San Diego specifically that I tried going to. And the last time I hung out with them and, they're all rehashing the same stuff like you know and i'm just like can we just talk about like you know hiking or like something cool like something that's like not related to the military at all like even though hiking is kind of related to the military but yeah. you know what i mean like i'm yeah. talk about looking forward in life instead of reminiscing backwards but i don't know well, i felt that place yeah i mean it's well, in the body keeps store he talks a lot about that too that that's that's 
like one state of their processing is is looking backwards to that and and that being like a place you're kind of stuck in instead of really moving forward yeah i guess maybe i was in my head as i was kind of like making a face as you said it was thinking that if you still wanted to associate with with veterans and groups but maybe not do that like don't do the let's talk about the worst times of my life stuff um that is bad but that that's not the same thing i think what you're saying is you're in a group where um what you still talk about is all of those times instead of finding those people who have that common history but look forward which i think is definitely definitely a good point to make yeah those are totally different like yeah i keep the bonds with military especially because if you come across a military person like you already have a comradeship that like is gonna trans like uh, sorry go beyond what you would normally feel with like a civilian that's cool but like not just sit there and every time you see each other like every day sit there and talk about the same stuff because i'm just like man i'm exhausted can we please have some like good stuff let's talk good things not positive vibes only kind of but like you know like let's grow through you know the stuff that we want to accomplish and not you know, rehash old shit. But, well, I yeah. think it's because, like, some people don't know that there's you can still do a lot of good stuff mm -hmm. after the military. Like, the, the military shouldn't totally define, like, who you are as, totally. you, as you get out. You know, um, most people that I know, um, civilians, like, they, like, when they, when I first introduced myself, even for, like, years, like, they don't, they don't know I was even in the Marine Corps. And I bring it up, they're just like, you were a Marine? I'm like, yeah. Like, <laughs> like, it's, you're like, no, I am a Marine. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> It's it's kind of funny. Across your face. What's Come up? On. Where's your tattoo across your face? <laughs> yeah, I don't. Have, <laughs> I have like one EGA, but it's like super small on my shoulder, and like unless you see it, even like civilian would never know what the fuck that is anyway. So, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm actually feeling. I'm. I can say that uh, about feeling like that's when someone who is fully transitioned, and I, because I feel so grateful to have moved out of that and on. And so I think I'm able to say that with like the grace of, you know, I don't want to kill myself every single day. So that's, it's great. I can move forward. Um, but I think it was touch and go there for a while. But when I got out of the Marine Corps, I chucked everything into a bag and threw it away or gave it away. Like immediately I had nothing to do. Like I was like, fuck the Marine Corps. Totally. Like I'm like, I don't, didn't have any of my uniforms, didn't have any of that shit. I was like, I don't care. Don't talk to me about this shit. So I didn't talk about it for so long. Then the book came out and I was like, talk about it all the time. And then like, now I'm like, I think I'm good now. So I think everyone has to find their pathway of transitioning into society. But I know a lot of people struggle and end up on the streets for it. Yeah, it's hard. Oh, Sorry. Somebody, somebody said the S word. <laughs> no, no. Oh, is your alarm? It's timers, yeah. The, uh, the outside lights all turned off and then doors locked and stuff. So, Oh, do you have the S word, not the A word? What what family are you in? I think he's got the S word. No. No? I got... I don't know what you're talking about. You know what the S word is? If I say Siri, turn on some lights or something like that? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. are on, gotcha. so, yeah, it wouldn't matter. <laughs> yeah, no, we're all, yeah, that's, it's, it's the A word, yeah, as not, Savannah not, said. Now somebody at home is like, God damn it, turn the lights off now. <laughs> yeah. That's why it's not headphones, we're good. Yeah. Oh, we're talking about anybody watching it later, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. All right, let's so, do some books. <laughs> yeah, how about some of our favorite books we've read recently? Um I actually had a conversation. I'll do this one. I'll switch over to some of that's super fun types of books. I had a conversation with somebody today uh, about happy, right? Oh, so like the idea that the, the God of happiness in the book series that Rasan and I really, really love, 
Um, so in these series, the gods like powers all come from human emotions inside their, their worlds. Right. And the more of that emotion that's generated within the world, the more powerful those gods can be, which means they can kind of use that mana and energy to kind of gain advantages against the other gods that are their brothers and sisters. Right. And so his, his strategy for generating more happiness and he's kind of kicking their butts by generating more happiness throughout the world than anybody else is to create as much total shitty chaos as fucking possible because people are never happier than that moment when they overcome the worst moment of their life. They're like that was terrible. And then like you get through and you're like, yes. And you're so happy. It generates this massive amount of happiness. And then I was kind of explaining, I was like, cause we were at work wise, we were in some really tough crappy spots right now. I was like, yeah, but get happy at the end of it. Once it's all done, <laughs> And we can put those things behind us. We'll be be happy. And they didn't really get it, so I had to explain the whole god of happiness thing. That's an interesting uh, perspective. I like that. It's a. Uh, have you? Do you know what a lit RPG is? Literature role playing game is that like? Yeah, basically. Literary. Yeah, 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 yeah it's basically. Yeah. It's almost like you're reading uh, a game. It's like this whole genre of books. They're pretty good. Yeah, it's like. Okay. It's been my jam for a minute. <laughs> he, he got me onto those ones, um, but like the most popular kind of about as close as it gets is the Ready Player One stuff. Like it's about oh. as close as it gets, but it's not really the same thing. Yeah, no. It's it's. I think adjacent. Ready Player One is it's, good. Yeah, but it's yeah, like it's lit RPG adjacent. Yeah, yeah. Still a good book though. Well, the first one anyway. It is. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so like, which uh, what's that? Travis Bagwell, right? Yeah, Travis Bagwell. That's, that's the name. author. Yeah, so that's for those ones. Starts with um, Awaken Online. Catharsis. catharsis. Yeah, off the top yeah, of my head. Catharsis is the first one. It's it, it took a second, but it is easier to remember because that's kind of the whole premise of the thing. But um, it's such a great word too, catharsis. I think you actually used cathartic in your book at one point. I was like, yes, I know that word now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm a big fan uh, of new words. Um, yeah. at work, my team will like, they're like, what the fuck does that mean, Savannah? Just because I like read so much that I got like random words floating everywhere. So they have a, a word of the day that they'll write up on the board and they'll have everyone go and Google what it is. So I get that through um, Webster Dictionary. It's every day. I get a word of the day from them. <laughs> it's nice. <laughs> Do you want me to just text so you then... like a random sentence that I say? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. The way I the way I play that game with students is I write the word on the board and then I have everybody on a flashcard like write down what they think the definition is without looking anything up. What do you think this word means? And it's usually a pretty obscure one. And then read off these very uh, interesting definitions of what they think this word possibly be for the class. It's pretty fun little activities. Do you give them context uh, or you just like give them the word? Just the word. No context. That's. Hello. I think it would might be cool if you did context like once, see if they come up with anything like. Yeah. Close. I don't know. So it could be like maybe once a week if they decide they can, because they get one each day. So hey, once per week you can ask for one of these like types of context. You want to use in a sentence? Do you want uh, a, a, a synonym, or do you want you know like okay, pick one, and you only get to use one each week, like like the phone a friend stuff or whatever activities you have for who wants to be a millionaire. Yeah. But yeah, and it, you get some good. But it's it's just getting their brain going. It's usually one of the first things of the day, kind of things. Sometimes you got to, especially the kind of. You know, these, these courses sometimes feel too long, but then they probably need to be longer kind of thing. So, yeah, you're changing the world. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the Marine Corps is doing a decent job. I don't this is probably not the right time, but to, <laughs> of trying to transition towards like more student focused and actual like scientifically proven 
learning strategies and all this other stuff that um, is not the way any of us ever went <laughs> to any Marine Corps class. You know, so there's, so this is this is the guidelines, the one that I think is going to kind of hopefully change things. I mean, one rule, which is that um, when we're building out our courses, the one method that my like curriculum developers are not allowed to use is lecture. Like you cannot put that in the course. Lecture is not an option. You can't just stand there and present the slides. I don't want any instructors doing that. So they have to find more engaging ways to go over the material. So. Which is good because, you know, learning computer shit is, can be kind of boring. I mean, unless you're like really into it, which I mean, I am, but still, it's <laughs> it's still super boring to like go through all that stuff. Because it's like, especially when you learn like the, the base knowledge of it, you know, going through like TCP IP stacks and stuff like that is just like so, so boring. Um, and especially when... But you get... You take one step further back, even like what is binary and yeah. what is electricity? And like, oh God, this is so bad. <laughs> I like, love yeah. teaching that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's gonna be too. like one on one. Yeah, clearly you do. Um, but it's gonna be like one on one, and I gotta be like, all right, I'm gonna break it down. Like there's lights that go through a wire, like <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's it's what I'm really trying to get because where I am now is like, I shouldn't need to be in every single classroom. It's not possible, but it's getting my sergeants and the staff sergeants to have the same excitement about finding creative ways to present that new information. So one of the ones I did was like spot beams on, on satellites and showing them like, well, just turn off the lights and get a flashlight and start pointing it at the wall and talk about distance and orbits. And you can cover it and like, what? I'm like, do whatever you need to do to make the picture in someone's head make sense. Yeah, but their their thought box is so small because they've probably only been exposed to lectures. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I so some of them are getting better and better at it over the year that they've been here. I had one who just made senior instructor, and she came to me. She's like, "Okay, so what do I do next? What's the next mindset? Because next is master instructor, and it's very challenging to make those those ratings alls in fours and fives, like the best kinds of instruction." I said. Okay, just this is one thing you can keep in mind, and this is uh, we'll, we'll stop talking about instruction unless you guys really want me to keep going. But um, <laughs> if if you did this one thing for the next class, you'd be doing fine towards getting master. Which is if you went through the entire class, going through all of the curriculum of instruction, and you did not ever answer a question directly to a student, you probably did it right. Right. So if you never actually directly answer their questions, you've probably taught it better than if anybody else is doing it. Because what you should be doing is answering their question with the question, redirecting their question to another student, saying, hey, does that make sense to you? Does anybody have another way to explain it? Like, if you never had to answer it directly, they had to think and generate the concepts and all you did was confirm, yeah, cool, that's a really good way to look at it. That's that's pretty close to the way I would have explained it. I like it, all right, moving on. And if you never answer a question directly, you've probably done it right, so. It's a pretty good mindset. Hmm. And it's, it's also a little like, weird. It's definitely different than how we went through classes. Yeah, I, honestly, because I, I just like doing stuff on my own, like just trying to figure it out. Like it's funny, I was I was reading your book, Savannah, and like you were talking about that the pinouts with like, uh, like you know RJ forty five cables, and I was like, I haven't heard that shit in like forever because I haven't. I, I do like fiber channel now, so like for me, I don't really do anything Ethernet wise. But literally yesterday, I had to run a hard line from like my house to my office. And I was just like, I haven't done this in like forever. And so I got like this thing. You can do this shit with no tools now. I was like, what? You can like do these cables with no tools. I was like, this, this blew my mind. And then I forgot how to do the pinouts. And I had to like, but there's a diagram right on the little, like on the actual piece you're putting it on. I was like, it's too easy now. <laughs> exactly. They haven't earned the right to <laughs> use these cables. Like they come all pre-cut. And anyway, yeah. that it, it blew my mind when I realized you didn't have to do straight through or crossover anymore. You can just plug it oh, in. It doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah. Like what? <laughs> yep. yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, definitely nobody. I don't know if you knew we were doing this, Savannah. When we got filled with those Markham 42 Charlies, like nobody's having to do what we did, which was take the barrel connector, completely disconnect it, repin the pins to different yeah. ports on it, yeah. and then run it to Cat 5 on the other end because the, all the other equipment in it was a waste. We're like, why are we doing this? And like people did that for 10 years. And it wasn't until uh, I think it was 2021 when they officially published like. Here's the mod to the Markham 42 to make it go Ethernet. I was like, I've been doing this stuff for 10 years, just modding the cables ourselves. Like, this is crazy. Why does it all take you so long to do stuff? So, honestly, I want you guys to know that, like, the mindset the Marines have to get shit to work, it does not fly in other areas of the world. <laughs> 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 like, I have gotten, not scolded, but like, because I'm in R&D, right? So, um, well, I was in R&D for six years, and now I'm like, now I'm back to operational stuff. But I'm like, can't we just like do this? And they're like, no, because it could it could impact the, the world. And I'm like, but we could just do that, and it would work. And they're like, yeah. And I'm like. <sighs> yeah, but then it's, I mean, that's a good point. But I've also seen like such bad like code. I remember there was like one time where, <laughs> I was weird. It was like some stupid script, and it was like given the wrong output every time. And I was trying to explain to the guy that wrote that wrote the the script. I was like, "Hey, like it's given the wrong output every time." He's like, "Oh, all you have to do is just do this and like do some extra math afterwards." I was like, "No, that's not the point of a script. Like, it should just give me the right right output that I want." And he was just like, no, "No, no, 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 it's okay." And I'm just like, "Dude, just just change it." And he just didn't want. It. He was so stubborn. He just didn't want to change it. I'm like, yeah. I, I don't want to like do run a script and then do like. Two plus five times four, some shit like that, to get the actual output because of your messed up math in your script. <laughs> so and there are benefits to a do it now mindset, and there are benefits to the let's do it right and do it well. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I straddle that line hard. Just want to let you know. Yeah. <laughs> and it's tough. Actually, that was one of the lines in that in that conversation about happy today too. Was like, look, the the, the goal of bureaucracy which is generally what the problem with most of that kind of stuff is, is there's these bureaucracies that hold on to all that stuff is not what the reality of bureaucracy is. Bureaucracy is not intended uh, to make sure that more people have jobs and that things take as long as possible for them to actually get done. That's not their, their actual purpose, but that's what they end up doing. Uh, they're there to make sure that, you know, things are done right and that nothing, you know, catastrophic happens, but right. we, we've, we've messed them up. I was going to say that I think like we can get bogged down by bureaucracy. So like, I think we should all take a hard look at like, it, this is how it worked for a while. Layers uh, were added to like fix stuff, but you can go back and reassess from the bottom up to make the bureaucracy better. Like you, you yeah. don't have to continue doing archaic ways of thinking, be it technology, governance. It's like, there are all sorts of ways you can improve things. So yeah. yeah, I think somebody needs to tell the bankers of Call of Duty that because I'm tired of fucking 100 gig installs. Just write the damn code over. <laughs> Stop it. Stop adding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and updating every other day because they fixed the patch or something yeah, like so that. How about gonna... just release a game that's done? I know we talked about that one a lot too. Yeah. Release a game that's actually done. Don't release it and then patch it two days later. Yeah, drives just... me nuts. Or if, I, or, if I, <laughs> or if I digitally download a game and then I have to have a DLC and I have to have a patch afterwards. It's like, no, just update the goddamn game. That's digital. Like that should be one of the perks of being digital, right? One demo. I, I get it when it's physical. Cause I prefer physical, but if it's, if I'm downloading from somewhere, just update the original file with the fixed shit. It's not hard. But they need to make cybersecurity updates. They have monthly remediations. They got to go through, you know, yeah, like... but they can, you can just do it in the original file. Cause it's, it's <laughs> when it's digital, I can understand after you already got it. Yeah. T totally get your point there. 
But if it's like, you know, after the game already came out, they should update the original file that you're downloading it from. Yeah. It's one of, well, my, I, one of my pet peeves. I'm playing a game from many, many, many years ago, um, and it has an update, and I keep ignoring the update. And the other day, the PlayStation crashed, and uh, Matrix was like, "It's it's been telling you to update for like a long time." I'm like, fuck it, I don't care. I don't care about the updates. Like, fuck the updates. <laughs> which which game was it? The Witcher you're talking about? Witcher three. Yeah. Nice. Well, they had a major update. That's probably why. <laughs> well, I'm avoiding it, so we'll see how it goes. Oh yeah, because it it adds in um, the next gen functionality for it's so added in a bunch of content for the game so that's probably why I don't, there's too much content already like <laughs> i'm like i'm freaking out like there's contracts there's secondary quests like i can't keep track of all of it so <laughs> talking about witcher that's like with henry cavill dropping off of uh witcher now too did you see anything about the fact that his next big project is a warhammer 40k yes project? super excited about that so <laughs> yeah. uh, we lost our superman and we lost the witcher but hopefully they can make warhammer 40,000 finally work somewhere so yeah yeah. If anybody's gonna push it, he's gonna do it. So it'd be it'd be cool. I love that he's a nerd and he like oh, God, yeah. all the Witcher books and he like yeah yeah because yeah. oh I just finished um the Witcher the first one in the Witcher series. I read that one too. Yeah, it was. Do you read the Last Wish? Like because evidently that's not the first one. It's like a oh, they have a prequel one. Which one did I read? The Last Wish is like a collection of some stories. That's the mm. one I read, and I'm like, I'm lost. But oh, this is a quest in The Witcher Three. <laughs> like, oh. <laughs> so that was interesting. But yeah, they um, evidently there's quite a few, and for whatever reason, Audible doesn't have the second one on there. But it's got all the. I'm like, what the hell, Audible? Like, get your shit together. Yeah. So yeah, I was getting. I got upset. <laughs> this had to have been a year or more ago. So Raymond E. Feist is like one of my favorite fantasy authors, and. One of my favorite series he did was actually the second, well, I guess technically the third series he wrote. So he had like his main magician series he did. Then he did, because it's a really cool setup where he's got like a rift between worlds. And so then you follow it from the original world and there's like an invasion basically is what it feels like. But then after he completely tells that whole story, he flips and tells it from the side of the people who needed to invade and then tells why it made a whole lot of sense for their society to need that too. And you're like, well, crap, now I don't, feel good about the fact that we're like we were defending ourselves against these invaders when you understand the plight that they were in too but then there's um a series that comes after that on like this other continent and those were one of my favorite ones but they had no audiobook versions those just came out like two three months ago and i, I just put all four credits in i was like yes can't wait to actually listen to an audiobook version of it i guess i'll give my story about that too then um what was it it was uh isaac asimov the the robot series um mm-hmm. yeah yeah, they were missing like one of the books in audiobook. I bought it. I bought a physical copy, but I haven't read it yet. <laughs> I need to read it so I can finish the, the rest of it. But that was like an interesting series. Series because I started, the series with like, um, what was it called Empire? Found like not the Foundation. Foundation. Yeah, robot. I started with Foundation. Okay. I had no idea that the robot series even existed. So I'm like, re- I'm yeah. listening to you know, Foundation. I was like, oh, it's a really good book. Like, but why aren't there robots in the future? Like, it was super weird. And then I got to like the end of the whole series and it's like, oh yeah, there's like this whole like robot series like that happens before this. And I was like, oh, and at the end of the book, at the end of like the, the last foundation book, it's like the uh, spoiler, the spoiler. I'm going to yeah. read it eventually. Like, uh, hold on. Yeah. Like definitely check it out. <laughs> but I think it's actually yeah. kind of cooler starting with foundation and then going back. Cause then like, it's to me, it was I started more with foundation. I haven't I, like, I'm finished the first foundation book. So I guess I'll, I guess I'm following in your footsteps. I'm going to yeah. go that way. Yeah, yeah, because apparently, like, uh, so I Robot the movie, nothing to do with like it's, it's just the same name, <laughs> like nothing to I do hate with the book. When they do that, shit. yeah, nothing to do with the book, not at all. 
Can I talk about my favorite book that I read recently? Well, yeah, of course. It's a super huge nerd book. So um, well, it's right crew fiction. Here. <laughs> <laughs> but it was Grunt by, I believe, Mary. Mm, don't remember her last name, but um, it's pretty much about the R&D that goes into military uh, development and science, mm. which she wrote um, Corpse or something like that. Uh, cadaver. She wrote Cadaver also. So she goes into like what happens to cadavers and how they gather them and all that kind of stuff. So she does all sorts of scientific journalism, but she wrote about like R&D projects for the military and like how the different R&D people in America, which I think it might be, I might be nerding out to this because I was doing R&D for the military for so long. So like, I feel like that's, that's why, but it was really cool. Cause they did like, um, okay. So when you think about IED blasts, they were trying to make the vehicle safer, right? But if they were testing out on like the the crash dummies that they use for cars, like they, they weren't working yeah. for IED blasts because IED blasts come from the bottom up. And so they have to like, yeah. And they just go into all these things that you don't think about. Same thing for like hearing they did for like shark uh, bait. Like there was a whole entire um, investigation into like how to get pilots to be more willing to get into uh, aircraft over the oceans because they were worried about crashing and getting eaten by sharks. And so there's this whole entire investigation about how to make the science um, get sharks away from downed pilots in like, anyway, mm -hmm. like it was so cool, like to hear all of this stuff. So I don't know, it was, it was all over the place and I loved it and it was very insightful. And they talk about um, reconstructing penises, like you name it, like the, it's all sorts of cool stuff. So. There's a lot of Mary stuff that Roach. happens on this planet that nobody has a d any idea like how it works. So that's always interesting to like get like the real inside scoop on like any anything because like even the most mundane things have like some sort of crazy story and has considerations that probably none of us have even thought about. So exactly. So like they talk about like how do you get Corman you know to be ready to handle like live shit like and he talks about how they had pigs on Pendleton and I was they would pigs too yeah <laughs> yeah they had pigs on Pendleton and they would sit there and kill them until like the wrong group found out about it and now they don't do that anymore so uh <laughs> but yeah like it was it was really cool Made so I good. Really that one yeah i mean and in the you know world of simulation they're doing a lot with being able to create simulation tools for that so we don't need to use pigs anymore but at that time when those kinds of tools didn't exist that was really good training like oh yeah the there's nothing there's nothing that replicates like needing to find a vein in someone's leg while blood's licked and blood is pumping out and you're trying to get your fingers in there to get a hold of something. Now, luckily, we they they like actually I got to see some demoed at this uh, conference down in Orlando. It's called ITSEC, and they they'll have legs leg sections that are have been like a blown section and there's stuff and then it starts coming active for you to do the test and you have to like get your hands into the blood and try to find it and it's very very real. <laughs> You're like, whoo, okay, this is. This is actually making me feel like this is a real leg. If you don't real like pick your head up for a second and look and go, I'm looking at a training leg. There's no other body attached to it. It's literally just a training dummy leg thing. And it's pretty real. Yeah, somebody well, like screaming too. Well, that's what they did on Pendleton. Yeah. They sent yeah. all the screaming and everything. So yeah. it, so the great part about this writer is that she's fucking hilarious. And her wit is like dry humor. So she's a smart ass the entire time. Yeah. So it's yeah. really good. And so she talks about how the, one of the guys on Pendleton, um, they do that. They have like, they act like they're all blown up and everything and how she writes it. I'm not going to be able to like 
retell it very well but like essentially one of the guys actually had his leg missing anyway and so he had a fake leg in there and so like the student actually did think that he had like lost his leg because he did (laughs) 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 what you do what did you where's my leg I can't feel my toes. <laughs> yeah, I haven't, I haven't felt them for years, man. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the dark, that dark humor that goes with this, though, too. It's like not just dry, but also kind of dark. It's a dark. <laughs> yeah. Funny. We mess with each other that way. It's good. Yeah. But that was my nonfiction uh, recent read that I thought was enjoyable. Um, so I'm kind um, I know. I love that. I love so many books. When you told me that you wanted to talk about books, I'm like, I am on it. What do we want to talk about? We want to do like classics. Oh, favorite all time book. Can we talk about that? Yeah. Yeah. Sean Taran. I have not and, even heard of that book. So I think they're actually making it into a, a, like a series on some, I don't know, some network. So it is awesome because it is based on a true story of hmm. an Australian convict who escaped from jail and fled to india and so in the 90s he's living in the slums of bombay and he has adventures he travels as a gun smuggler to afghanistan he does like all sorts of really cool shit and it's like his writing is very it's got jewels of wisdom and stuff it's very it's Mm. very good like writing also so I really enjoyed that book. It's got love and heartbreak and, you know, war and betrayal. And, and it's based on this real story. So he took some artistic, um, you know, freedom with some of the writing. But it's it's based on his life. So it's very good. So Gregory David Roberts. So the way you spell yeah. it is uh, S-H-A-N-T-A-R-A-M, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Gotcha. And there is, it looks like there is a series. I think they were signing up and they hadn't started filming or something. I don't know. They're going to fuck it up anyway. They always do. Well, like, I don't think. It says 2022. So it, it came out, I think, last year. Yeah. Based Did on. It? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to watch it. It has Charlie Hunnam in it. Charlie Hunnam. What the fuck? <laughs> Why is he in this? I'm like, I'm thinking of like Indian people. And the first guy's a white dude. He was an Australian and he's you know, been. Yeah. Goes of course there. A white guy. Yeah. Like, come on. Uh, yeah. It's on, it's on Apple TV. Oh, okay. Well. Interesting. That's, I went to the library and I like how I pick out books sometimes if I'm in the library is I will drag my finger along with my eyes closed and then just stop and I'll take whatever book my finger lands on because I'm chaotic sometimes. And then um, another, it's like, <laughs> I'll pick the biggest book and um, Chantron was the biggest book. So that was. Mm. Yeah, it's 936 good. pages. So. I mean, but I didn't know Brandon Sanderson existed yet, and he's like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh Jesus! So, did you see anything about Sanderson's? I, I think, Cronus, we talked about it, but Sanderson like kind of backing out of Audible. You think about that, Savannah? I started looking into it, and I was going to write about it because you were talking on Hafner's stuff, right? Like, yep. um, because I am a small writer on audible and i was like i i wanted to know his like input on it but at the same time my payments from audible are written in my contract with my publishing house so it doesn't have anything to do with audible itself so Mm. i was like i don't know if he's actually like it doesn't seem applicable to me and i was like i'm tired of this so 
Yeah. So the way the way he wrote it, and it may not have been, it may not be this way for yours either, is that because the publishers all know that they're all going to Audible, what they contract to is going to be basically the exact same thing as if you went straight to Audible for anybody who's especially like first time authors. But um, his concern was just any other form from any other publisher, you get a, a much larger percentage of the money from your own creative endeavors compared to what it was there. And so he found some other platforms that, and his big concern was if he moved and got something else set up with them. And this was, it was, I don't know, it was kind of uniquely worded, but I can't remember how he said it, but basically like, are you just giving me the deal because I'm Brandon Sanderson or is this the way this is going to go for other authors if they come to your platform and they aren't going to give people the exact same deal, but definitely as far as he was saying it, the numbers he had was better than what they were getting through audible. But it sounds like yours isn't maybe that same like direct deal with audible kind of thing. Maybe not a direct deal with audible. It's through my publishing house and I get way more on audible. Than I do by um, any of the other types of sales. I get 12% on hardcover and I get 25% on audible. Yeah. I think that's, that was one of the things that we were saying was like the amount that's that you're getting. way too low. Is what he yeah, it's, yeah. It's too low. Yeah. Well, especially because it's fucking digital. Like you don't yeah. need, it doesn't cost you any overhead yeah, to release exactly. another copy. And I know that set with Kindle with like all that. Uh, mm, don't even get me started. Yes. I, <laughs> like you aren't having to pay to bind these things. Like, nope. Yeah, so that's exactly what he that's said. where that's where yeah. he's kind of and he's going to put some of his ass behind it. Basically, like, look, if 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 I'm big enough now, because he didn't always he didn't start that way. He's also the like crazily pro prolific writer. But he's like, if I suddenly pull out of all these major platforms and said there needs to be some equity for other authors who are trying to get started and this is their creative material, they should be getting more of the the profits from it. So that's I think he's just trying to take a stand against the current like monopolies honestly over uh at least you know writing because uh, you're pretty much you're going to sell your hard prints on amazon and then you're going to sell the audible version for the, uh, the audio version on audible and that's pretty much your only real options yeah man you know i just went on because you just reminded me um about the alloy alloy of law and it was um oh god those are so good it has a leather bound book of it and i'm actually might just buy the bundle because I looked at it the other day and I was like, oh, maybe I shouldn't buy it. But there, have you guys seen like the leather round books that he has? No, don't tell me that. Like, oh, I can't afford this so stuff. Like, yeah, it's pretty expensive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I have all of, like, my top shelf on my bookshelf is all Brandon Sanderson, but I don't have any of the metal books. Um, just mainly The Way of Kings and that area of the Cosmere. But yeah. But the, you, I mean, obviously, you know about the secret novels, right? No, no. What I just the listened to them. Yeah. Just... Well, I I know about the ones that are like what was the one with um, I read one of the ones between two books. What the fuck was it called? Wasn't Don? No, Star. like his big announcement on Kickstarter or whatever. The, oh. yeah. That that thing. No. Part of, oh, we're part of Kickstarter. We're getting the they're the secret novels, so we yeah. get extra Brandon Sanderson books. I should have bought that back when they when he announced. Cause I remember, <laughs> I, yeah, I, we same. talked about it. When we announced it, but I think at the time I was going through some shit. So. Yeah. yeah, and I just didn't. I was trying to put everything into the knob. I was like, I can't justify doing that right now, and I'm really regretting it. Oh, I'll let you guys know how it is then. Yeah, yeah. What about you still get I it? it? I probably can't get it right now, but yeah, not, not, not so, that I actually can. 
they all come they all come out eventually it's just that you get earlier access by doing yeah. it through the kickstarters the way i've and you read get it a I bag so yeah. you guys are missing out on the swag okay. can, okay. can we still purchase it <laughs> probably not right you're like please you can in the future when it's like for public release yeah hmm. but not the swag um, mix matrix is already reading it like he's already in they're not over it totally yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, one of the one of the Marines here who read it connected the dots. I don't know if, if Matrix told you to, because she's going to go work with Matrix. And was like, wait, that's not a very common name. That's got to be the same person. I'm like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. Oh, is she going to the Mew then? Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I don't think so. To just to the same unit, I think. But. Yeah, I know. I felt like Matrix refuses to read my book, by the way. And I'm yeah. like, and I'm like, well, why? And he's like, because I fucking lived it with you. Like, why do I have yeah. to read about it? <laughs> no, I'm good. <laughs> Maybe just to see how well you wrote it. But then I don't know. Yes. No, he's like, he's like, you've written a lot of my college papers. I know you can write. <laughs> 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 yeah. No, he's a good writer now. Now he is in practice. Didn't want to be like any of those other E8s or E9s that, that have the worst grammar in their emails when you read it. And you're like, oh, my God, man. <laughs> How long have you been doing this? And you knew at some point you're going to have to write something and you still didn't learn how to put two words together. Still not a no. common thing. I had to take a technical writing class recently. That was nice, though. I actually learned um, some shit. I was going to say, those are good. Like, yeah. I, like I like technical writing. Uh, not doing it, but uh, I like seeing it done well. Yeah. Who likes doing technical writing? That's a pain in the ass. Well, I mean, I I have to do it from time to time because I have to write root cause analysis and all kinds of like KBs and all kinds of shit. So it's what, always nice to write it better. For? HPE. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I got beef with HP. Um, no, not HPE. Not... No, I heard <laughs> HPE, but before they split. What did you have beef with? Like their the server side or? Uh, do we want to go down this contracting rabbit hole? I mean, I, just, I don't care. Just... <laughs> okay, so I was in Okinawa, Japan, right? Mm -hmm. um, I was a subcontractor for Hewitt Packard for a while uh, on the NMCI contract out there. We were taking over the network from the Marines, or the Marines were getting back the network, right? So yeah. that all happened. Um, and yeah, I worked my way up because, like, uh, when I got out of the Marine Corps, I was like, oh, shit, I don't like and Matrix got orders to Okinawa, I was like, I don't know anyone in Okinawa. I don't know how to get a job out there. So, like, I started as a secretary working for facilities engineering, and that was wow. insulting, uh, by the way. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> it was it was a rough, like, ego blow for me. Um, but I worked my way into working for uh, field services, and so I did that for a while, and then, like, worked my way up to being a network engineer. And I got hired by HP as a network engineer. And I, because the reason I wanted to get HP is because then I could follow Matrix wherever he went. Because, you know, HP has the the contract for, well, had the contract. I don't know about it now. But uh, they had the contract for all Marine Corps bases, essentially. And I was like, I'm a shoe in right? So I sacrificed a lot, got hired by HP, um, had my child he had health problems and i had to go back to work early because they were going to fire me because i didn't because he was he got sent to he got medevac to hawaii for surgery and so like i got it i was in anyway 
it was awful. I came back and they're like, the only reason we didn't fire you is because the Marine Corps likes you so much. We're going to keep you. And that's like what my HB hiring manager that was in Okinawa was saying. And I was like, that's kind of shitty. And then I'm like, oh, by the way, when my son was um, recovering from his surgery, I went and got CCNP. Fucking asshole. Like, I'm just furious the whole entire time because, like, I had gone to, like, do this. And um, and he was like, oh, okay. Well, do you want to, like, a raise? Because I was a... That's an interesting question. Why do you have to ask somebody if they want to raise? <laughs> so I was being I was being billed and paid as a junior um, network engineer, and they were able to, with my CCNP, build a Marine Corps for a mid-level engineer. And I was like, yeah, of course. He's like, okay. So my charge code changed to the mid-level. A month goes by. I don't see an increase in my paycheck. And I go talk to my, um, like, the guy, and I'm like, hey, the... I remember his fucking name too. I hate this guy. Anyway, um, and I was I, like, I don't know him, so it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I haven't seen an increase in this, and he's like blowing me off this whole entire time. And like, I'm getting fed up, and I'm like, okay, I understand your position is not like actually charged to the government. So how the it was working was that he wasn't part of like the TO for his salary. So he was billing the government for me as a mid, and he was taking the money and putting it in his own salary. Damn. And I was like, but I didn't, I had no proof. I just know that's what was fucking happening. So I was like, I'm charging the government this code that is a mid-level engineer. I'm not getting paid as a mid-level engineer. I was upset. Uh, But Matrix got orders to North Carolina. And I was like, all right, cool. This is what I like prepped for. I'm with HP. I'll just be able to transfer over. And so I call up the East Coast HP people and I'm like, hey, I'm coming out. Do y'all have any positions open? And they're like, "Uh, he got uh, orders to Cherry Point. And they were like, yeah, we have one position in um, New River for a senior engineer. And, like, New River Cherry Point is kind of a drive. Yeah. Like, and I had a nine-month-old baby at this time. Oh. Like, And they were like, um, it's a senior position. Uh, you need CCDP, CCNP, um, and CISSP. And I didn't have CCDP. I had CCDA, but I didn't have CCDP and I didn't have CISSP. And so I was like, oh, I don't have those certs yet. They're like, well, you need them by the time you would come on board, which is in two weeks. And I'm like, I can't do that. And they're like, "Um, there are ways to do that. And I'm like, that's not ethical. Like, that's, you know, that's what they had told me across the, like, over the phone. And I was like, and I was like fighting with like myself and I was talking to Matrix. I'm like, I don't know, like, what I should do. Like, should I like, you know, and he's just like supportive all the way. And, um, and I like call them up and I'm like, I, I can't do it. Like I, I can't drive 90 plus minutes a day with a child that fucking hates the car seat. And like, you know, um, oh, but I was like, I had asked them what the salary was going to be. And they're like, oh, well, um, it's going to be what you're getting paid in Okinawa. Like you're not going to get like a raise, like at all. <laughs> For so I would actually be thinking. Yeah, that. <laughs> I would actually be making less money because I would be getting taxed in America. Yeah. So anyway, they were like, yeah, 67,000, take it or leave it. And I'm like, leave it. Thanks. Yeah. And so they proceeded to blacklist me from every HP contract as a subcontractor. And I could not get a job anywhere in Cherry Point, North Carolina. And so I had to leave North Carolina and come to California on my own because I could not get a job. Well, sorry to burn you, but, um, (laughs) That was a long. Yeah, start. I 
Honestly, <laughs> no, that's good. I've worked for HP for, we a long, for a long time, but uh, I didn't actually. So what happened was I used to work in Qatar, and I um, I'm, I'm a sand guy, so uh, I was working in Qatar for a while for Dell and EMC, and I wanted to come back home for my family, and uh, I interviewed with uh, a company called Three Par for like a couple times when I was over there. And I, f- I remember I came home on like a, a Sunday and my interview was like on a, on a, on a Monday and I got the job. And then literally I told him I just needed a month off. Cause you know, when you come back from being overseas, you don't want to just go right back into work. So I took the month off and like in the middle of me taking the month off, they got bought by HP. So that's the only reason why I work for HP, but I still work for just like three part shit. So all the other HP stuff, I mean, you can talk all shit about, about them all you want. So yeah, I don't care. I- heard that like they could be good i mean i think it was just that manager and then like the hiring manager for nmci on the east coast it was just they were pulling shady stuff because yeah. i was like ain't nobody gonna do cissp ccnp and ccdp for sixty seven thousand dollars you can go yeah. fuck yourself like there no. no one's doing that yeah i mean i've gotten screwed like remember when i first got out i was a disaster recovery specialist for a company and they were paying me like 55 grand and i was there i actually set up their first sand and they were paying me 55 grand and I asked for a raise, and they told me no. They couldn't, they couldn't justify it, and they gave me a bad review, and I was like, what the fuck? And so I was like, all right, well, I'm just going to quit. And they literally plagiarized my resume and then put in for the salary 70, 75 grand. And I was like, you mother... I almost sued him, but I was just like, you know, it's not worth it. So it, The practices that go on are just... It's awful, and like the people, employees get fucked over hard. Yeah. I mean... Now I'm a, a federal employee, so I get fucked over hard no matter what when it comes to salary. So I went from having a nice chill job, and now I'm like, oh, it's hectic, and I don't get paid anymore. So that's nice. <laughs> well, you get sort of job security. Oh, I definitely have job yeah. security. I get holidays <laughs> off, and I get every other Friday off. Like it, this, the perks are pretty decent, but like the stress is now, you know. Yeah, that's one thing that I stepped away from a long time ago was like the general stress of IT. So I don't, I never get, I'm not on call anymore. I only work four days a week and I work from home. So, yeah. That's the dream job. Yeah. Um, I definitely need the the less stress, especially at this point in my life. Yeah. Been a, been a, a stressful couple months. Yeah. Anyway, back to books. Um, I think Papa Bear, have you read the Cradle series? I think I'm pretty sure you have, right? Yeah, yeah, I got caught up in them. Yeah, they're good. Because I think you, there was a book that came out, and then you didn't see that it came out. It was Dread, Dread God, right? Yeah, I had no idea the most newest one came out. What was that when it was? Um, Just like back in like 2022. Called. Dread God. Yeah, Dread God, yeah. Yeah, yeah I had not had not read it, but I, so it was right at the same time as the new Sanderson book came out too. So I was like, crap. So I, I, I just like, they went back to back. So my normal rule is kind of similar to, to Rasan's, but like I do try to do like some kind of personal and professional development book and then do like a, just a for fun book. I was like, nope, I'm doing two, two credits fun books because these are like the series I'm, I'm embedded into. So I wanted to get both of them. So, yeah, so there may have been a uh, Awaken Online one at the same time too. So it was just like a flurry of the three series we've been talking about mostly. I'm like, oh, I got it. I'm just going to get them all. That happens. Yeah. Savannah, have you heard about the, the Cradle series? No, I just Googled them. Um, it's, it's pretty it looks like a- it looks like a lot, and they're short, shorter books though. They're pretty short. Yeah. So I'm in the middle of like a lot of series. <laughs> uh. I need to like dedicate myself yeah. to finishing one. Um, 
I can't even remember all of them. My, my phone has all of the, the notes on it, but um, Wheel of Time, I'm on book six. Oh, yeah. yeah. What did did you watch the show at all? Like the first three episodes or something. And I was like, this is so poorly done and slow. It was really slow. It got it got a little better, but I don't. I think they. I, I was kind of on the fence about it because they made some changes that I think made sense only because of the length of the book. And there's like a lot of times where it's just like, not a lot of times, but there's some points in the book where it's like you don't have to like, kind of go into that much detail on like a certain thing that's not directly connected to the story. But at the same time, yeah, they could have made it more action packed. But I don't know. I, I hope they make another season so they can make it better. So I I, I like giving people second chances. If they can make it better, so not, not when it comes to books. Look, like I started reading the Shack, I got so pissed off I like threw it across the the room at one point, and I never picked it up again. The Shack, yeah, it's like fireproof. Mm. If you are familiar with uh, that concept, it's Jesus stuff, and I oh. hated it. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't do that. <laughs> I like my proof was good. My but, my yeah. parents sent me this book because they think oh I need Jesus and I was so furious the entire time. Clearly I do need Jesus. Um what else? Dormite read- archives I have to finish. Wheel of Time. What's the book series about the guy that fights all of the different cool um not the Witcher, but I guess I'm in the middle of that one too. He's a detective, and it's fantasy stuff. Oh, my God. Why am I blanking on this? His name. Anyway, y'all can keep talking. I'm going to look up uh, this guy. All right. So the uh, the Cradle, we didn't talk about the actual book. Um, it's a really cool series um, for anybody that's listening. It's, it's kind of like reading a really cool kung fu flick. <laughs> <laughs> like somebody ends up being like this really bad kung fu badass with like special powers and it's like the it starts off in like a really small town and then it opens up into like a kind of a larger area on the planet and then it kind of goes like universe wide and possibly even into multiverses and it's pretty crazy Multiple, because yeah. um if you get to like if if you get to a certain level of badassness on this on any planet you can just ascend and be kind of like a god and you can like just destroy planets like kind of at will and there's like this whole group of people that are um that have ascended that protect other planets from like uh incursions or crazy assholes so it's it's like when you first start reading the book it seems like so like microscopic compared to like the later books and you're just like oh there's like this whole like different like universe thing that they they just kind of touch on a little bit but they're kind of building towards like the some of the characters like you know getting bigger and bigger um it's kind of hard to explain but it's like one of the most um fun books that I've that I've read um in my life and it just keeps they they keep getting better and better like I, I don't think they it's do. missed a book no it's been great so like thinking back to the first though cuz the way you described it like it's at such a small level especially like power levels and like their abilities but when when you're in that book it didn't feel that way it felt like he was challenged it felt like everything was really really difficult and then you come to find later like like, as you learn more and more like holy crap that was like level zero stuff (laughs) starting area it's like dragon ball z (laughs) yeah there's always a bigger enemy 
Yeah. Yeah. So we did bigger fish. Uh, the, 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 like, what was it? The, the body remembers or the body keeps the score book in it. He, he used the, he said a line specifically talking about like, I think it was on the, like constantly revisiting those old, those old traumas as we're, we're working through them. And the way he said it was something about like, it constantly eats at your core. And I'm out like on a six mile run and it talks about eating at your cores. I was like, it's a good thing I got two cores. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's so in the book, book yeah. it, it kind of ties to the book. But that was the first, it like immediately popped in my head. I was yeah. like, oh, that's funny. <laughs> so, did well, you the, find the book? The series, it's called uh, The Dresden Files by Jim uh, Butcher. Yeah, Dresden, like, yeah. come on, fantasy detective dude. Like, yeah. yeah. Uh, did y'all ever read those? No. But I'm writing no, but books. I, so, my first exposure to it was the show because it's actually a TV show, oh, too. God. I can't do it. I, like, you're not a, a watcher. Uh, it kills me. Um, well, I mean, so they're pretty, they're simple books, right? Like, they're they're pretty easy reads, simple, like, um, probably, I don't know, probably, like, teenage level books to me. Like, that's what it, it feels like. But it's like... Rockstar they're quick Children reading. or uh, what's the other ones? Sparkly um, Vampires? Ready Boys. Twilight. Yeah, that's even... <laughs> they're I mean, size-wise, too, they're the smaller. Boys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, my kid's reading uh, the first book of the Narnia series. Nice. So I'm like, he's in it. And I'm like, yeah, we're we're on, buddy. Like, this is, yeah. we're going to do this. I'm excited. But yeah, I'm in the middle of the Dresden Files and haven't picked up one of them in years. But it's, they're out there. Speaking of like kids' books, have you seen like the, the Mina Lima books at all? It's like a, they make books of other books. Like, so I have a Harry Potter um, Mina Lima book. Are you familiar with those at all? Mm-hmm. So they're like the really they're really cool because it's it's the whole book. So I, I got like the first Harry Potter book, but it has like it's really artfully made. And some parts are like pop ups, or it has mm-hmm. like really intricate like paper diagrams and shit like sprinkled out throughout the book. Oh, I have that for the cool. Harry Potter books, but they're the illustrated versions that are very big and very nice. Mm-hmm. I have those for yeah. like five of them yeah it's not like the, the the big giant ones it's like they're almost they're they look sort of normal sized but they have some gold foil on it and yeah if when you, you have it why aren't you showing them to us right now oh, like, I, can't, I can't show you one hold on that's right we're on the internet i can do that I, yeah like if it's in you your have a copy there in the room uh, yeah i have to go and i'm like far away from my i have to like walk to my gotcha. actual house <laughs> where are you i'm in like a separate building <laughs> Yeah. I, I'm in, a in, shed. The, in the workshop shed yeah, thing. Yeah. Yeah. Have you guys seen the the audiobooks only? Uh, like, it's I think the author's name is Jason Manbeck or Manbeck or something like that, and he does all of like the fake kids books, fake children's books. Like, it's a children's story. It reads like a children's story, but it's like go the fuck to sleep. Oh, and yeah. it's, yeah. it's it's done with. <laughs> so Samuel Jackson does that one, and then like you have to fucking eat is. Um, uh, Cranston. Oh, God, I can't think of his first name. Brian Cranston. Um, Brian Cranston does yeah. that one. They're, they're pretty funny. I, I keep those downloaded on my Audible. Just keep them there for everyone's while. I'm like, you know what? Throw that on. It's five minutes long. I just need to hear him just fucking cursing nonstop. It's <laughs> <laughs> a very Marine thing to do with your kids. Go the fuck to sleep. <laughs> my kid's been really into the Cat Kid Comic Club and the other um, dog was it the i don't know so dave pilkey who did captain underpants has like a whole entire other stuff and they take like classic books like 
crime and punishment and now he's got grime and punishment or mm-hmm. like he he does a play on all of those and it's kind of cool but they do like moral stories and um today I was talking about, oh, they're talking about Jim Crow laws in school and like all this other kind of stuff. So we're talking about skin color and like making sure not to judge people by skin color. And I, um, I was talking about how, you know, trying to hit it hard, like early and make sure that he realizes because we live in a very white neighborhood. And I'm like, you realize that like you are a very microcosm of like the universe of like experiences and all this other kind of stuff. So anyway, and we got to talking about how women have it harder um, in certain ways than men because of how they get treated. And, um, and he was like, Oh yeah, I know because they work harder and that he like spills off. And I'm like, where did you hear all of that? And he's like, you? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's why I was like, have I been raping? He's like, uh, he's like, no, it's in um, cat kid comic club. They have oh. like a whole, thing and i'm like what like so evidently like they're they're going into like misogyny and like some cat kid comic club like lessons like they hit it pretty hard like the guy's a single dad in the book and he's like talk anyway it's they uh have some interesting lessons for children you know what that means that shit is definitely bound in the south (laughs) (laughs) we don't have free thought in georgia okay not allowed in schools that's so crazy Oh, that's that's good. I would say like the new Jim Crow. I think was that's a, a pretty book. big one. I've read recently was really good. Yeah. And then what was the um the was that that's not that one. That's more about the incarceration, but the the redlining one that we talked about too. Oh, I can't remember what it was. Yeah, it's uh-huh. um. God damn it! Now that you said it, I forgot it. Yeah, I think All I recommended right. it to you. Have yeah, you those read- both are ones you told me too. Yeah. What's up? Have you all read Just Mercy? No, but I think that's mm-hmm. on my list. It's fantastic. Yeah. Um, very eye-opening. Like, I I tried to hit, because I realized, like, I I heard somewhere, um, I can't remember where, but, like, if you look at your bookshelf, like, the majority of the writers are probably white. Like, what are you doing to, like, colorize your bookshelf, essentially? Like, make sure you're hearing voices that aren't just ones that reflect you. And I was like, I looked at my bookshelf. I'm like, oh, shit, they're all, like, English people. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, especially if you're going for the classics. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm doing the classics. But, like, the – but, so, um, 100 Years of Solitude is actually Colombian. So, um, I made it a goal of mine to read a, to read a book from every country – that I can. So that has actually been proving to be harder than you would think. Right. Like, cause it's hard to get books that have been translated for one. And then like, you know, that are out there and Google is not giving me a lot of like stuff. So anyway, if y'all have any recommendations for non-American and European authors, please let me know. Um, cause I've gotten some African continents too, but anyway, about the D de- it's, it's decolonize your bookshelf was like the, the suggestion. So I started going through and just mercy was great. Um, so you want to talk about race, the classic slave narratives, which was very interesting. I have that one on my bookshelf, but it's like actually written by slaves, like either word to someone who could write it down, Mm. um, or like the uh, actual slaves, um, writing it themselves. Oh goodness. All sorts of, 
like Booker T. Washington. I read some of his stuff, like just trying to to be more open about all this stuff. And I'm like, man, I didn't know any of this shit. And it's been an eye-opening couple of years. But That's how my, my partner's been kind of the same way. She's been – actually, me too. I've been picking up like a lot of different books. Here's another book that I think you can read that's not American. It's the interesting narrative of – the life of I'll have to probably write it down for you because I cannot pronounce this dude's name. It's Ulada. I got it. Yeah, you got it. Yep. You already have, you already read the book or you're just looking no. it up? No. Okay. That is um, one of the classic slave narratives. Yeah, that when I read that book, it really defined to me that there was like because in America, you know, people they talk about oh, there's there was slavery everywhere, you know, across the world, and you know, you know, America didn't do it first. I'm like, okay, but we still did it, so. But it, there's also like a huge difference between like chattel slavery and like African slavery. And reading that book really hammered it home. Like people think that the chattel slavery in America is the way that every single slave was treated throughout the world. And that was just patently not the case. Um, when you read this book, he explains like what because he was a when he was a kid, he became a slave in Africa and then he got um, exported um, to other countries. And I think he got to see parts of America's as well. Yeah, he did. He, he went to parts of the Americas, and when he saw like the treatment of slaves there, like it's it's a very stark contrast. I'm not saying that one form of slavery is better than another, but one of them is definitely much less um, brutal. So, and that that book really lays it out. So yeah. He was, he, like, his story was part of the classic slave narratives. It had Frederick, I had to look, Frederick Douglass, him, uh, the history of Mary Price, a West Indian slave, and then Incident in the Life of a Slave Girl. So all of those are in these, like, because they're, they're decently short. They would probably be in, like, the novella range. So if you book, if you put them all together, they're, like, this big. So it, hmm. it it's a very good collection of um, stories. Oh, here goes one. You have, to, you have to find this on hardback, but give me a second. Now I want to see what, like, is that stacks of paper he's got in the back? What's going on here? The boxes? Yeah. Those are comic books. Oh, my God. <laughs> yes, that's his comic book collection. Oh, yeah. I'm a nerd. I mean, come on. <laughs> like, are there boxes of paper back here? What is this behind him? Oh, yeah. Those are, all, those are all comics. <laughs> <laughs> I read I read lots of lots of comics as well as books. Um, this m book might be hard. It's going to be hard to look at, but this book is called Without Sanctuary, and it's a, a, a picture narrative of um, lynching in America. And I've went through some of it. It's hard for me to like read the whole thing right now. But it goes through like the actual pictures of what people did um, to African Americans in America um, throughout history, and it goes through like I think it goes even through like the '60s of like what happened, and there was like stuff I had no idea that they were they were like literally eating people, like they would hang them or burn them alive, and then eat parts of their body. And if you one of the crazy things about this picture. Like even just on the, on the cover, there's actually a kid that's like right here. Like just, mm -hmm. can you imagine taking your fucking child to something like that? I, there's parts of this, this country that has been like so covered up with just like crazy atrocities to like so many fucking people. And anytime you try to bring it up, um, people like they, they get into like, anytime you like touch their comfort, 
there's like they get like this crazy you know backlash i think it's where we get like the karens and like these these i don't know what they call the dudes kens or whatever where you get them from it's just like whenever anytime you touch any any of those little soft spots where they don't they don't want to see it they just go they get fucking insane but it's like this is how these people were and these people that are that are in these pictures they all had kids and i'm pretty sure they didn't teach their kids that black people are fucking cool you know yeah but that's another book if you want to have another fucked up book on your shelf. So, but I, 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 I wouldn't like display it because it's, it's atrocious. Anyway, well that, well, that goes back to the whole discomfort. Um, yeah, that's kind of where I was. Yeah, thinking, you're not going to yeah. grow unless you go. Like I will admit, reading some of Malcolm X's stuff has been like, it's been cringeworthy for me like as a, I'm like oh Jesus like and just to realize the plight of so many people and you know it's yeah it, they're very uncomfortable so Just Mercy has been it's, it, so Just Mercy goes into um, the incarceration of uh, black people and how to get them out of it for and how just incarceration has worked in general. So it's, um, it sounds like the new Jim Crow does that too. Yeah. Yeah. Break it down really well. Okay. It does. I think it's probably the best breakdown of it. And it it sounds like, um, you said just mercy, but it might have a broader picture. Whereas the new Jim Crow focuses specifically in on the fact that, and it gives you a good history to it too. So you understand like what is, what was Jim Crow? So you understand it better because a lot of people probably didn't really understand it going into that book. And then breaks down how mass incarceration is basically our new version of doing the same thing, where we're marginalizing a, a whole group of people in the United States. So, and it's just like my my biggest here. frustration with those, and then the redlining one. Did you figure out the title? The color of law. The color of law. Yeah, those two. Like for me, why those hit harder, and Rasan knows this is like I'm a political scientist at heart. I'm the guy that looks at the system and the constructs and the rules and the actual laws and the stuff that we have in place, and says like, and I. <laughs> I read books like those and I go, okay, so if that exists, how do we, how do we remove those programs? How do I, what changes can I implement like in the next few years to, to change that? So I always look for those kinds of things. Read just mercy because he talks about that. Like he's trying to handle it. And I think, I think that the new Jim Crow, it does too. It, it, at the end says, these are the things we can change and, and make this better. Yeah. Same thing with the color of law. Like I like when they do that, when you have like, yeah. Show the problem and then show like possible solutions because I, I think that really helps a lot of people because then you can like the work's done for you pretty much, you know? Yeah. No and maybe you don't agree with one or two of the solutions you because yeah, you're like, oh, I think it'd be better if we did it this way. All that matters is that we're trying to do something to make it better. So. Yeah. Because there were a couple of them I think I remember telling you, I was like, I read one, I was like, mm, knowing the way some of the other laws work, that's not going to work on its own. You have to do this thing and then that thing maybe to be able to get there, so. You know, it's even talking about like when you talk about mass incarceration, like people will, will acknowledge that it exists, but then one of the first steps that you there's like like probably two or three steps you have to take, right? One of them would would do, to would be to figure out um, the scarcity with certain you know neighborhoods. Like addressing scarcity would it would address a lot of the problems in America. And I think the mm-hmm. second issue is policing in America, and nobody wants to touch mm-hmm. that shit with a fucking with a five thousand foot pole. Because it makes people uncomfortable because they think that the, America has like a fetish with punishment and they, they fucking love when people get punished. It doesn't matter what you did or what the circumstances were. They just want you to see, they want somebody to be punished. 
Um, as long as as long as you don't know, especially when you don't know them, and it, it's really it's really gross because you see these people that have done super minor crimes, you know, that are getting thrown away for like 20, 30 years or, or to life. And like, and then once you're in the system, like it's very, very hard to get out. And you become a repeat offender. Yeah. Like you, you can't get a job anywhere. It's just, uh, what makes me furious is how many people were still, and I think still are in jail for minor possession of marijuana in yeah. states that are legal, like in California, like, yep. oh, I'm still serving a sentence. Like, yeah, the law was broken then, but we realize how dumb that fucking law was. So why are, you, out. why are you still yeah. in jail? It's, it's complete yeah. utter bullshit. It's because they're making money. And they, no one wants to be honest about that. They're, the Those private prisons, even like the ones that aren't private, but they're mostly private, they're making money off of those bodies. And that's, that's, I the, need to, that's the issue. I need to read more up on it. But I know I, I feel like the things I've read so far, I don't have all the details, but that it seems like Oregon took it to 11 and did it right, right? So they went all the way with removing the minor possession stuff. And I do believe they basically had a, a not like a, hey, just everybody out in the same day. Cause then I'll just flood the system. So, but there was like a timed process to bring people in so they could bring them, give them case managers, get them to a place next group. So they're getting everybody out in a timely manner, but I'm pretty sure in Oregon at least, cause they did the like all currently illicit drugs or whatever possession, individual possession, not illegal. So if you're, if you have like a manufacturing and any of the other stuff that could end up being a criminal charge, but like if you have drugs on you, that are like personal use level type stuff, you probably need counseling or need to figure out or maybe need some training, maybe need help rather than prison. That's the that's the policy now in Oregon. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Have y'all read Go ahead. Have you read um Johan Harl or Hari, um, Lost Connections? No. So mm -hmm. he talks about um he also wrote Chasing the Scream. But his uh I think Chasing the Scream is the uh, one that goes through um, why people do drugs and how to like get people off of doing drugs. And Lost Connection goes into it too, like that we are connective people. Obviously, we've moved away from that. But the um, he discusses whatever European country, Switzerland or Sweden, which um, provides Narcan consistently. Um, to get people off of these places, and they completely delegal or they de whatever criminalized all of them. Yeah. yeah they decriminalized all of it gave narcan and then they had the social support systems to back up people getting sober so like if you came in to get your narcan here are people for employment here are people who can help you learn how to uh get over your trauma like they do all of that and it's there and so like that's yeah that's uh i thought that was very interesting yeah, he goes into all of that. No, I mean, that's, I mean, yeah. other countries do it. But don't get me wrong. Like America is obviously different, but I think that we can still adopt some lessons learned from other countries. Mm -hmm. You know, when, when it comes to here in America, like if, if our, if our criminal justice system worked, then why are we not rehabilitating our prisoners? It's supposed to be the correctional, right? Like, but they don't correct anything. They throw them in a box because so they can be away from society. They kind of rotten there for a while they lose money and they toss them out and they, they have to put down, you know, that you had a, you've had a, a felony, so you can't get a job and then you, you toss right back into scarcity. And that's probably one of the main reasons why you got put in jail to begin with is because well, something was scarce in your life. Supportive. Don't forget that the, the felony, the felony thing on your record means you also can't vote. Yeah. Right. Supported people 
that are supported well rarely find the need to rob or kill or, you know, do all of the other things that people get incarcerated for. Like, we need to have a better supportive system at, like, the family level all the way out to the community level. Like, it's, we need to have more connection and support. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. But we live in this, uh, our society is the indiv- individualistic society. So, you know, this is the American way to pretend that we're all doing this on our own when we're really not. I mean, all of us are, you know, even just getting to work, like you have to go on a road that somebody else built. You have to hop in a car that somebody else assembled. You know, it's like you didn't, you're not walking to work every day. You're not just, unless you're a goddamn farmer and you're literally farming your own shit, like you, you have to rely, even the farmers have to rely on somebody else to like do their, to like help them out with something. But I think we've been so ingrained in America to just think that, no, we're, we've all this stuff on our own. Like we just, we're all just individuals and we need help from anybody. I don't think that's helping us at all at this point in, in our society. I think it's Ma- to our detriment. Yeah. Mass independence is detrimental for us. Yeah. Yeah. Like the, something I was listening to, I can't remember if it was the fundraising one or the, when I switched back to the book, no, but like they talked about because of being social creatures, no matter what, even if you're someone who is very like, um, what's it called when you don't want to be around people, can't think right now. Antisocial? Yeah, thank you. So if you're like, yeah, antisocial, introverted, or whatever, if you're more of a person who's like, I don't really like to be around a lot of people, maybe you just want to sit in your room and listen to music, music made by someone else. Like it, it's still not, you can never really be fully isolated in those kinds of things. It's, Allows you maybe large gatherings aren't your thing, but you're still, like you said, driving a car that was manufactured by somebody on a road that was built by somebody. Um, so it, those connections still exist, but we need to probably do better at is recognizing them and, and reinforcing them. So even for those who are more introverted, more away from other people, if if they're taught by their parents and their family or their friends or whatever, like those things that you do still have connections to people and just focusing on those connections a little bit not it's it's related to this i wanted to point out that i went to salt lake city public library like last month and i was like talking to the librarian and there was narcan on the counter which was like my first experience like being that like up close and personal with narcan or anything like that and um i looked around and like sure enough the majority of people who were in the library were homeless um and like i it didn't bother me at all. I was there to work because I was trying to work remotely. <laughs> um, and it was, it was just a very, it was almost surreal because like Salt Lake City is fucking freezing. And I'm used to San Diego where people sleep outside and I don't have to think of them. Like I do think of homeless people and I think about like how fortunate they are to be in San Diego because they're not freezing. So seeing it in Salt Lake City, I'm like, oh, these people might die tonight, like on the street. Like that's, oh, that's awful. And like, it was just very like in my face, like, oh, you're going to go to a warm home and like with lots of food and lots of whatever, you're going to be very protected. And it it was just like, oh, this feels uncomfortable and I am not comfortable with this. It was like all over again. Yeah. Yeah. I think the first time I had like a thought along those same lines was, I was in Pattaya in Thailand and they'll be asleep like right on the beach. Everybody's just kind of like not going to a home, whether you're passed out cause you're in Pattaya and you're on the beach or 
because you're actually homeless, but there were just people just camped right along the road there. And patio is a beautiful temperature and humid, like all the time, all year long, no matter what, it's always around the same. And I was like, what? this wouldn't happen in Chicago in the winter. <laughs> like, no, you'd be, you could die if you're out on the streets in the night in, in Chicago. And that was, that would have been, you know, 2007 or 2008. And these little seeds, I guess, they kind of grow in your mind over time and end up becoming something else. But, well, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting because I mean, there, obviously there are people that are, you know, unhoused in like places that freeze. I mean, there's a lot in New York, there's, there's, there's some in Chicago, you know, but what people like, like to trivialize is that they'll say, you know, look at these, you know, they'll name like some liberal city, like, you know, San Francisco, especially because there's a huge issue there or, you know, New York's not really on that side, but you know, they usually point to San Francisco and they're like, or Oakland. And it's like, well, yeah. look, they get all this help there, blah, blah, blah. Like we don't have homeless, you know, in Montana or wherever. It's like, well, there's nobody, first of all, there's nobody fucking there. All right. And then second of all, nobody's going to help them. Is that more of a, what does that say about you or, or that place uh, rather than San Francisco? Like, yeah, it's an issue, but at least they're getting some sort of assistance there. But you're saying that where you live, you wouldn't give them any assistance and you just let them fucking die? Like, is, is that what we're really saying here? Yeah. Yeah, so does the does the translation become, instead of there being people who are alive and being, you know, probably supported by a system that everybody else is taking care of, are there just a bunch of blank headstones in some graveyards there in your town? Yeah, exactly. Who but, knows who the hell that person was and they buried him? Yeah. It's just, people don't think about that stuff, though. They just want to put it, it's the, it's the comfort level, you know? <laughs> they just want to be comfortable. Don't face that uncomfortable truth. Yeah. yeah. So my first interaction with a homeless person in Japan was interesting because I was with some Japanese coworkers at the time when I was being a secretary. Um, and we went out to lunch and we saw someone and they were um, very drunk and actively like coming after us, which was a weird experience for Japan. That does not happen. Right. Yeah. yeah that's like a, um, but he was just like following us down the street, like kind of um, near American village. And, when we started talking about it and these like my coworkers were born in Japan, Japanese in their fifties, little old ladies. And they're just like, uh, cause I was like, Oh, we should probably like give them money or in or something. And they're like, no. And I'm like, what? And they're like, we do not help homeless people here because if they're to the point where they are homeless, they have completely scorned everyone in their community and in their family to where they are now a problem that society does not want to deal with. And that was a hundred percent. They're like, no, that is a person. Like if they're homeless, they have, they're evil, like bad. And it was like, they're because of the culture of Japan is that you take care of your own. Like, it's not like in America where you don't really, uh, you know, interact with your family maybe, or you move away or something like they're very culturally like tight. So they're like, no, if he is not being taken care of by his family, he must have done something awful. And so they just like completely were like, he is a bad person. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. (laughs) But it starts with that foundational piece. Like you said, like it's a little more, I guess it's a little easier to accept that position when you're like, if the society is close and everybody takes care of each other and you know, like he's gone through layers and layers and layers of potential support and has burned all those bridges somehow. It's like, can anyone really help this person? But also, I think it's like that makes a pretty broad, like assumption, right? Like, what if the person like literally had no family? Well, and that is unfortunate. That, but I think like 
Okinawa has a ton of people and you don't see homeless people. So I think that was just their, what they were saying did not seem far-fetched. Hmm. And I'm yeah. not saying that like, cause even there were parts of, cause I lived out in town, part of the villages that we like lived in, um, there were people who did not have family, but they had their community. The village, yeah, the village. Yeah, they had the too, village. Right? more so than just the family. If you didn't yeah. have family, you were being taken care of by, like, the little. I'm segueing a little bit, but the little kids that would go and walk to school, all the little old ladies would walk out to their front porch and watch them walk to school, even if they didn't know them. And when the schools yep. would have their cleanup events, the entire community would come, including the little old grandmothers that don't have any family. Like it was just. It was, I loved Japan for that reason. Yeah, I love I it so much. Japan does like a lot of stuff, like way better than most countries. Like I love how they do like most of their schooling, like the kids will actually like make the food and clean up like the mm -hmm. bathrooms and do all the custodial mm -hmm. work. Like there's a lot of schools in Japan that don't even have like actual custodians there anymore because that's what the kids do. And I think that's the, the way to go. The families on like was it Sundays or Saturdays, Saturdays or Sundays? They go and like they clean up the the grounds of the schools. Like it's a whole family event where they'll go and like mow the yard and like trim the bushes. And you and your family and your kid are out there. And I'm like, man, this actually sounds awful. I would not want to do this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I I would do it just to make sure that you know we all knew that the school was taken care of. You know, like they mm -hmm. you yeah. know especially especially places here in America where like you know there's like why does that school look all fucked up? You know, it's like because nobody's really taking care of it. Because you guys just tagged it on Saturday. Why are you asking this silly question? Yeah, but if, you had, <laughs> but if you had to clean it up, then, you know, you wouldn't tag it. So, you have or you know who does and you whoop their ass. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> so I think that's why, like, because the culture is so different, that's why they were like, yeah. no, even if even if they don't have a family, yeah, they would be getting taken care of by someone. Like, there is a reason this guy is drunk on at noon on this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so. So there's um there's a like a, one of the traditional things they do before the, the youngest ones go to school for the first time. So the kid goes on a quest, right? So they kind of, they tell the kid in, in Japanese, so they have to go on a quest. It's what the kind of the families call it. They don't really tell the kids this. The kids don't know at first. Uh, it's just a normal thing. They've done it 10, 15, 20 times, either with their siblings or with their parents. And it's like, hey, I need you to go to the store and pick up milk or some very normal thing, like there's pick a, up a small thing. There's a series on this now on Netflix. Mm -hmm. It's pretty, awesome. and we I, we saw yeah. it tons of times in the neighborhoods, and then but the whole community would know, so every neighbor knew, like all the people across the street, and so the kid feels like they're full on independent. They're walking down the street, they're like, not, they're just strutting, like I'm going to the store. I don't have no no brothers and sisters with me this time. My parents aren't with me. They know how to cross. They know how to do all their stuff. But like there are a hundred eyes watching. Like everyone is making sure the kid is safe and nobody's messing with them. Um, <laughs> that's the level of like community in mostly small villages. Like they know when. You know, that family in that house has a kid who starts school this coming year or whatever. So next month is when they're going to do their quest. So what day are we doing that, guys? Or we do it on Saturday, this Saturday? Cool. And everybody's just kind of sitting there with their coffee, just keeping an eye on them. So it's it's very different. We loved our little neighborhood. We live downtown, too. The show yeah. the show is called Old Enough, and it's on Netflix. And they have hidden cameras everywhere. And they show this actually mm -hmm. happening. It's It's super cute because, like... It's 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 cool to see like what toddlers do without like anybody around like watching them, and they still like for the most part do like the right thing. It's pretty crazy. And they're like, uh oh. Well, I mean, if they, they learn from their surroundings, so if their mm -hmm. family does it, like, like I didn't feel well earlier, and I was like laying on the ground, and my kid comes up to me. He's like, "Are you okay? Do you need to breathe?" And he's like kissing me and like do it, and he's like, and I'm like, "Oh, this is exactly what I do to you when you don't feel well." So like. <laughs> yeah. 
they repeat what they see. So yeah, Japan's great. We could talk about Japan forever. I still have never, yeah, I've yeah. never been. It's on, it's on my, it's on my list. You know, you could just go. You could move there. I could, you know? I could move there. Actually, <laughs> I really. Bring it on back. I work remote, but That's yeah. A callback. Yeah. <laughs> but 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 convincing my partner to go. It's just like I just I just recently convinced her like I, that I really don't want to go to Europe for any kind of vacation. So <laughs> having us move to Japan would be like a big deal for her. Why don't you want to go to Europe? Why would I want to go to Europe? Uh the French the amazing <laughs> like No, I just Have you been to Paris? No, it, I I've I've been through Europe before and it just it doesn't hold like I'd much rather go to like Asia. You know? Yeah, no, but I meant Savannah. Like you had some, some like affection there for the idea of going to Paris. Have you been to Paris? Yeah, I have been to Paris. Yes, I know. Everyone's like, there's rats. Whatever. I, <laughs> I, ran the I just thought there. it smelled bad all the time. I was like, I God, it smells like urine. Like, where did you everywhere guys go? I went. Like, I didn't see rats. I didn't see. Like, I had a fantastic time. I ran the um the mm-hmm. Paris Marathon in 2019. Oh, nice. And- so we got very much like some insider stuff. So because we stayed at the Disney Park hotels area, but we wanted to be in the city most days other than the two days we were at Disney. So we would catch like the bus to the train station and then catch the subway trains into town. And subway stations are always like the telltale sign of the real, real side of the city. And it was bad down there. There was a dude like taking a shit in the subway. We're like, there's a bathroom literally right inside there, man. Don't just take a shit right in the subway stand right where we're getting out. We're like, watch out, kids. Step around this person taking a crap in this. No, I mean, I just went to Morocco like in August, at the end of July, August, like. I almost shit in the corner of like a restaurant in Morocco because I couldn't get to a bathroom in time. So I'm just like, I mean, <laughs> yeah, no they, feeling. You're like, ah, I've been there. <laughs> I get it, man. Like maybe he couldn't make it. Like, <laughs> yeah, that looked looked like he lived there. So. Oh, oh. Well, so, I have not experienced a bad part of Paris, and I've been a few times, but yeah. yeah. I mean, all of the sites were beautiful. Like seeing all the all the history stuff was great. We've been to Prague. I loved, man, Prague was probably my favorite city in Europe so far. Um, seeing the history in Berlin was super cool, though, like, because chunks of the wall are still up. Um, yeah. So that was neat. I did the morning yeah, run. That, that's why you go to Europe. Yeah. Because I went for my morning run along the Berlin, the remains of the Berlin Wall, and I was that's like, cool. yeah. it is surreal, because I'm like, yeah. But, I mean, Asia's cool, too, I guess. It just takes so long to get there. It takes just as long to get to Europe from here. A nine-hour flight versus like a nineteen-hour to get to Okinawa. Oh yeah, I guess it, I'm, I don't mind. But also, yeah. I'm used to like flying. So when I used to fly like international all the time with my old company, they would fly me first to business class. So <laughs> I'm always assuming I'm that right. I'm going to do that. <laughs> like when I fly I'm anywhere. A- so I have never flown first class or business class. I've just always been by the bathrooms um, in the back, which comes in handy in case I ever need to. You got you to work for a different contracting company. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm talking about personal. I can't oh, personal? afford that. Oh, yeah. Flights, yeah. That's actually one of my goals. Yeah, you take the whole family. You can't afford those first class seats. <laughs> oh. I was, just, I was thinking, when's the last time I flew first class? I was like, oh, well, I went to Austin last year. And you flew first class to Austin. That's like a like a three hour flight. Is what, it worth? The- yes. <laughs> what? 
tell me, like, because I can't see a continental U.S. flight being worth first class. Well, yeah, it's uh, honestly, you know, first class in, uh, domestically is not, it's not even as good as uh, business class um, international. Business class international, for me, that's like my, my sweet spot. That's way better. But uh, I just wanted to do it. I had the money, so why the fuck not? So, and then I felt so bad because I, I, fl- I flew there first, but I couldn't get the first class on the way back, so I waited too long. And uh, I ended up breaking my goddamn foot in Austin for that trip. And I was like, God damn it, I wish I had first class now. <laughs> Put that foot up. Yeah. How'd you break foot? I was ATVing. It's still broken. It's, it's, it's healing now. Healing now, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's crazy. Well, any other book specific things? I think we can go ahead and close out. We've definitely been going for a while. Two hours? We talked about a lot Three of stuff. Hours. Well, we started a little late, so probably two and a half. It is two hours. Yeah, two and a half hours about that. Yeah. Let's see other book things. Oh wait, no, you did comic books. Sorry, I did want to ask this. Um, have you read all of the saga? Fuck yes, I have. I'm caught up. Good. I'm, I'm waiting for the next one to come out. I think it comes out next week or next two weeks. So what? That's great news. What is this? Yeah, saga. It's like saga. one of the greatest comics of all time, especially for an adult. Mm-hmm. Let me just. I'll just give you like the best part of it. All right. I think on page two or three, there's titties. So. There you go. <laughs> so his artwork is really cool. Her He's got artwork. a character. Her artwork. It's Fiona oh, Staples. It's a woman? Yeah, I Fiona was... Staples. Oh. The well, right. I Super cool. that. I thought it was Brian. Cave on. No, he's just a writer. Oh. Okay. Well, her artwork's fantastic. Um the one of the characters is a TV head <laughs> yeah. and a regular man body. And so like as he's going through life, it's like his emotion and internal world is being displayed on a TV. That's awesome. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. And some of the things is that the, have you seen, hilarious. Have you seen Code Bullet first on the YouTube channel Code Bullet? Mm, I don't think so. Okay. Like his character is that it's a like man's body with a TV head. I wonder if he just stole it from that, that comic. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. Like of, of TV man. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Okay, so yeah, it's January twenty fifth. So a couple two weeks from now is when the next one comes out. Hell's yeah, I'll yeah. be over. Um, Wait, where do you get comic books from in San Diego? So I haven't found a place yet. Um, I'm still getting a mail to me. This is actually what this this box is here. This is my box of comics. I get them weekly. So yeah. <laughs> what do you serious? Want me to live show you what's in here right now? <laughs> An unboxing? Yeah, yeah. yeah that's what it was the privileges of being a... This is from two weeks ago, but yeah. Uh, so, Kamikaze is right around the corner from me. Is it a good comic? Because I haven't found, like, a, a, my cousin, who lives close to me, too, he said he hasn't found a good one. Do they sell just mostly comics? Yeah. Okay, I'll, I'll check it out. Like, what are you... What are you, like, what, what? What are you talking about? Like, so it's, I went into Comic Kazi, okay, and they had one in Point Loma, and it was like Point Loma fied. But the Comic Kazi in Claremont Mesa, like, I went in and there were just stacks of boxes. It looks like your background, for yeah, Christ's sake. Like, that's what I want to see. <laughs> all right, there you go. Well, then the one in Claremont Mesa, unless they've cleaned it up, like, it, it's definitely that vibe. Right down the yeah, I mean, because like you would think if San Diego Comic-Con is the largest Comic-Con like everywhere, why wouldn't San Diego itself also be a large comic book center? Yeah, it's because it's, I've, I've driven by a, a few comic shops, but it's usually like a bunch of toys and like other shit. Like I just want mostly they comics. Do, I mean, calm down. They do have toys. I mean, I mean you know. Some is okay. I went 
dropped so much money that the guy just handed me like three toys because I was like, oh, I really. And he's like, here, just just take this. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's super cool. Um, yeah, like I missed like going into comic shops. I actually did a couple of podcasts from a comic shop. Um, there was one in um, a pretty pretty well known one in Oakland. It's called uh, the Cape and Cowl. And they got a, a Will Eisner Award, I think it was last year. So. All right. Sorry, it's kind of noisy on here. I can only hear your mm-hmm. voice. Yeah, we're not oh, hearing okay, it. Good. This expensive-ass microphone is doing its job. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's pointed upward. That's that's what we can hear. All right. This is actually, I mean, it's a lot. <laughs> so... They're like they do like an insane job, like protecting them. Yeah, yeah, which is good because I mean you need them protected, right? Yeah. And what's cool is that they'll they'll toss in because I've been a customer with them for like a really long time, so they'll put in variants for me um, every now and again, which are worth more money, which is always nice because I have some that are worth like a lot that are like recent ones, which is kind of weird because you never know like which one's gonna be worth a lot. So yeah, I got the Joker, I got Batman, <laughs> I got X Force. More X-Men, The Gold Goblin, which is, I haven't read any of that yet. Yeah, Hulks, it's like, yeah, these are all like, it's just one of those packages, but it's a bunch. That is a lot. Yeah, and then there's, you know, two more of those. So, yeah. I'm and you read working. all of those every two weeks? I try. I'm, I'm behind on some, actually, a lot, but mm-hmm. the ones that I mainly read, I'm, I'm all caught up on. Like, you have some main storylines you follow, and that, that's the ones you for sure are going to read, and then... yeah. Saga is one of them. Anything from Jonathan Hickman's another one. Um, Batman stuff. Um, it's I'm always caught up on X Men stuff. Yeah. Did you read Paper Girls? Paper Girls? Yeah, yeah, I did. It's a great, okay. great story. And then they had the show, and it got canceled at the first season. What about Why the Last Man? I read the first uh, trade. I need to finish the rest. Okay. And then I only saw some of the TV show. Didn't even. Oh. Read the comics. Even the TV. Just like, can we strike TV conversation? <laughs> yeah. So like, I don't do comic books very much, so it's so, yeah, okay. like, oh, I, I know that that is the thing that exists on the television. That's about all I can do of it. <laughs> so you're a big like Brian K. Vaughn fan, obviously, because you're naming off all of his. Yeah. So I comic books are kind of new for me, and like I'll be honest, sometimes I read them and I'm like, eh. so the ones that I've enjoyed are Brian K. Vaughn ones. Okay. And so. Like, I, I will probably read anything that he writes. What was there was one called like something with work where the United States went to war with Canada. God damn it. He wrote it. Something about like weather shit. Give me a second. It was <laughs> a pretty good one too, but it was only like, it was a short series. Do you know Michael O'Brien, either one of you? Like, you know, two points or five O'Brien, right? I think, yeah, I do. Yeah. I was yeah. pretty sure I know who that is. Yeah. He's got like stacks and stacks and stacks of uh, comic books also. Yeah, it's always it's always like one of those things when people see like behind me, like I was like, Yeah, I read comics. And they're like, Really? I'm like, Yeah, like I read a lot of them. They're like, they don't understand. Like I really read a lot of them. <laughs> it's uh, uh to me it's just it's fucking fun. I, I don't I don't know why people stop reading comics. I think because they split off so much, like I can't keep track of all the different like storylines. So people are like, you need to read this version of Batman. Like, 
I mean, the story's all the same. Ah, well, so that that this is the why I like the like the more modern comics. So when you talk about like image comics, those are the ones that really don't split off as much, right? So when you talk about like DC and Marvel, yeah, there's a huge problem there, especially when they have like these world event are these like spanning events where you have to like literally read like four different comic series, sometimes even ten different comic series to get the entire event done. That's annoying as shit. Um, but when it comes to like image comics, um, they don't do that as much. Like they usually just stick to the story and they usually are pretty self-contained and that's why, and they're more adult themed. Like you're not going to see, you know, sex in Marvel in most Marvel comics or more adult themes in Marvel comics. And that, that's why I like, um, reading a lot of image stuff. Well, I'm, I'm down for that kind of stuff. Like, um. I think like it has got to be good writing, not so much like action hero bullshit. Like, I don't want to see special powers every second page. That's like not to me, but I like pretty pictures. That's why I like a uh, saga. Well, if you like pretty pictures, there's one. Oh, what the fuck's the name of the comic? It's it's about like. I'm tempted to like go in my actual comics to like look. Oh, we, we opened up a can of nerd worms. That's what happened right here. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I forget the name of the... It was like a... It was one about like gods. And that, like the, the artist is like... a She's a really good artist. I think it was another woman. But they... The comic had to... St I stopped reading it because the, the artist needed a break. And instead of like breaking the comic, they decided to just have guest artists. And they were like real shitty. So... Yeah, and that's why that's like terrible plan. Yeah, but when when Saga went on a break, so like both Brian K. Vaughn and Fiona Staples were like, okay, I think we're done for a while. They went ahead us for like four fucking years. Yeah, yeah, I caught up for a while. Yeah, and where are they? Yeah, so I'm glad to hear that they come out in like 13 days. That's good news. Well, yeah, because you know they were just on break. I think the last one came out in like June of last year. So yeah, am I behind even further? I don't know. You got you to gotta show me the cover of the one you have. <laughs> so. yeah, they're all While we were, as we were talking, I did actually, I just was, for some reason, it re recurred to me. The last sets of comic books that I bought um, was this, like, Firefly series, because I love the TV show. Yeah. And so I, I wanted to get the comics to tell all these extra side stories, because the TV show got was so poorly managed. And it was really great stories, but, like, the management and the distribution and advertising and stuff was just terrible. But the, those comic books were just kind of cool. It was a cool way to capture those characters and, and see everything good. So I think that's the last like comic book stuff I bought and read, which was maybe a year ago. Yeah. Well, I think most people, they, they think about like, you know, the, like I said, the DC Marvel stuff and there's like, there's a lot more out there. And even the DC Marvel right. stuff, there's still some, you know, I guess more divergent stuff within DC and Marvel. You just gotta, you gotta find them. But who has, I mean, most, most adults don't have time for that shit, I guess. So. Yeah, I guess part of so part of what talking about like the the other brands that have this thing going for them, which I kind of I guess I definitely could get on board with, which is like it's a single run series. It tells the one story. When that story is done, those characters and that story, that story is done, and you can put those comic books away. Be like that was a cool story, just like reading a book. Yeah. Um, and then either like you said, stick to that artist or that storyteller. Maybe they have similar like something about that that you really enjoyed and so i could i could get more behind that yeah the, the struggle with the, the mainstream characters is is that it's hard to keep up i feel like so it's part of why i don't really follow much sports like 
I love football. I like I like the game itself. I could watch a football game, any football game, and see great plays and watch the athletics like happening. But like, I don't know what that dude's stats are this year, and I don't know who's injured <laughs> yeah. on the team and what what caused them to like lose this season. And I'm like, I'm, I'm not keeping track of all that stuff. I'm not going to do it. I just don't have time. Yeah. Uh, the comic Savannah is called The Wicked and the Divine. So you get a chance if you like really cool artwork and a, a decent story, check out that one. All right, I will look into that. But. Be forewarned, there's going to be, you get to a point to where the artwork gets shitty, then just feel free not to read anymore. So <laughs> <laughs> that's what I did. <laughs> it's a boo shit. Well, I need to go to bed. Is, is, yes, is, same. Yeah. So this has been really fun. I appreciate you guys having me on here. Yeah, thanks for coming on. This is kind of how we do ours if you go see any of other older episodes, and hopefully we can get back on schedule and record. Every once in a while, and put some more more podcasts out every once in a while. Yes. So oh, these will be available in video and in audio forms too. So we'll have a video on YouTube of all of this. Hopefully, chop out any pauses, although we didn't really have any, so we'll probably just let it run. Yeah. Um, and then we'll do an audio version on all the audio like podcast types. So it's available in most places. Okay. When will we're going to say available? Amazon. I mean, how fast are you want me to get it? I can do it tomorrow if you want. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just working out tomorrow, so. <laughs> yep. Reading comic books. Yeah, got to read some comic books and work out at the same time. I'm just kidding. I, they'll get wet. I can't just, get them wet. Just put them up there on your Peloton. And yeah. No, I, I get super sweaty on that goddamn thing, man. Yeah, I'm the same. Right? There's no way I can do it. Like, if you look underneath it, see, like, there's, like, a towel thing underneath it? Because, yeah. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, thank you. You started to say something, Rasan, as I started talking about the where they'll be available. Oh, yeah. If, if, if you guys want it out tomorrow, I can, yeah, I can get out tomorrow. That's... I can. Yeah, let's go for it. I don't think we really need to do much editing with the video no. or the audio other than levels, but probably fine. Yep, that's all automatic. So, Yes. All right, well, thank you, Savannah, for coming on this podcast, talking about mostly books, but also other stuff. <laughs> yep, anybody who didn't already and wasn't familiar with it, go out and check out her book, uh, Corporal Cannon. And like, if, if you have the ability to do so, you definitely should go read it. So. I appreciate that. Parting shots? Least- Especially, especially like you said, every Marine needs to read it. But. Yeah, every Marine should read it. But, yeah. All right. Well, I'll talk to you guys later. Thank you. Yeah, later. Thank you. Bye.